Welcome to Plat Chat Valorant. It's me, Tweedledum, here with Tweedledee and uh, Tweedledumer as well on my right hand side here. How's everybody doing this week? You all, you all been getting enough sleep, huh? I mean, I have my headphones in wrong. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Tweedledumer, <laughs> literally <not>. Tweedledumer. <laughs> and yeah, I've been, I've been sleeping all right, I suppose. We were talking about this before the show, but right. we somehow we've managed to do it again. Okay. But we're wearing the same color. We were yeah. wearing green a couple episodes ago at the same time, forest green. Then we were in blue the other day for the I, I didn't re even And now we're wearing that. heather gray again. Yeah. Same color together. And you don't want to admit it, but you had to go back to your, to your house for your phone charger. And he comes back wearing a gray t-shirt. Phone charger? Wearing a gray t-shirt? No, he's committed to the no, bit. No, it's nonsense. I, I was already wearing this originally. By the way, I'm going to require a Bala to start syncing up clothes as well so that we have like this two... Well, but the th difference is that we we are we know what to wear ahead of time, but the opposite of each other. You guys are so yeah. synced up that you're just always going to wear the same stuff. Ball and I know that we need to be distinct. Opposite size, opposite colors. We're chilling. From, from like, the Borg, from the flat chat Borg. White that's and beige, in the house. classically opposite colors. <laughs> <laughs> That's basic color theory. Oh my god, we just started seeing you. Yeah, now we, can we haven't been able to see you. Now, oh. now you guys look like you're like a... Uh, look at <laughs> what are, a what are Hanes commercial. At? You're going to do a Hanes oh commercial god. or something. You're in <laughs> the gray shirts. You're walking around. Like, Michael Jordan's going to be in the airplane. It's like, oh, this is the comfortless Hanes tag. Go tag my shirt like, that's, just, that's what it's looking like over here. It's good. There, it's nice. there was a horrendous amount of Valorant this week. Is that just me? There's just oh, an I mean, obscene was... amount of Valorant getting played at the moment. It felt like because there's no Challengers 3 anymore, people just tried to smush Challengers 1 and 2 together in Europe and elsewhere in the world, and it's only North America that's had the sensible nature to play out one week, one tournament. Everywhere else, you've got two tournaments being played. Korea's only doing like one, right? So we're chilling in Korea in terms of like watching and keeping up over there. But you're the only person on planet Earth who's watching literally every single Valorant game ever. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not anymore. Listen, I'm not. <laughs> the, the, he, the, just giving up? This, no, this, it's, it's unbelievable. This guy's anti, I'm going to say it, anti-NA bias has been <laughs> ripe this week. Refuses yeah. to watch so, it, Envy. Food playing or Victor rather playing Sky, he will watch it. No, he refuses what? to watch that it. Was it's the unbelievable. Single best game yet. I don't Honestly, even see it. We're doing, we're doing the companion stream. All of us hanging out. We're having a good time. Good. He comes in, fucking sour puss comes into the channel again, <laughs> and he immediately. Mm, this is no FPX guild. <laughs> We're watching like Cloud9 versus Immortals. Like not even close. You can't even align it in the tiers of the... Re yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, Angel and Bonkar. It's, it's unbelievable. Okay, but, but there was also... There seemed to be, and also from our interview with BCJ, he was talking about it, a, a distinct lack of seriousness being applied to the later stages of that tournament. I went back and I watched the like important elimination games. I didn't watch the seeding parts. You're telling mm. me you took a lot away from from the North American games where Exet and Envy were playing? And I, I, I learned a lot. Did you? What did you find not serious about those games, Josh? I We watched them all. I have to say it was entirely serious the whole time. Yeah. Okay, we were coming up with all sorts of very important terminology. What does BCJ mean? What does, what does mean? FNS mean? Okay, I'm not going to say it on the podcast. <laughs> 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 no, for should. Let's just say he's an enthusiast 
of things that are large, but I'm not going to say which things. <laughs> I mean, B they're, probably they're... stands for big then, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You're right. And J, J stands is for junkie. junkie? Yeah, correct. <sighs> correct. You could see, B. That's see. so weird. That's very so... serious games. Yeah, very very serious. These are the things that we were discussing during the companion stream while we watched uh, <laughs> Food, uh, or I should say Victor, play Sky and flash his teammates 20 times. So it was a okay. good time. Well, let's get cracking with that. Uh, actually, no. Let's wind that back a second. My hosting duties again. Just appalling every single time. We, we got a new patch, so I wanted to talk about that first anyway. Because... We do? Yeah, oh, yeah we, we do. do. Yeah, we, we do. do. Patch oh, 2.07. Yeah. Oh, right. It came out during the tournament. Yeah. So we're now leaked during the tournament. So the most recent games that we've been watching are now two patches behind the one that's been announced right now. Because even though they're going on to patch 2.06... We've been watching patch 2.05, and... Uh, I, I got to... Okay, I, sorry. I just... Something on. just triggered in my brain, and I'm about to have a, a breakdown, but I can't fucking take this patch anymore. I'm already... I'm already... <laughs> too, I'm mad at this patch. Not 2.07, but the previous one, too. Just... I'm, I'm clumping 07 and 06 together. They're the same. They're the same. And I've, I've had enough. I've seen enough. Worse. I've had enough. Playing any ranked game, Astra's... Vi Vipers and Astra's... Walls everywhere, stars. I've just, I've, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. I I've have had been enough of Viper. Yeah, I've been getting more and more annoyed. Ow, I just kicked the table and <laughs> bruised my shin. <laughs> uh, I, He's so I've, annoyed. I've been getting more and more annoyed with the, um, with the, uh, with the concept of the Viper buff from, from the, the previous patch, patch point two zero, uh, patch two point zero six, and then also Astra's ultimate. I've been molding watching Astra's Ultimate. I don't know whether this has been the case for any of you guys as well, but it is such an unfun ability to have in the game, in my opinion. And I am going to die on this hill. I know that it's very new, and I know that the pros don't know how to use oh. it particularly well at the moment, but I fucking hate it. I, I hate it. I was it. nodding because I thought you were like, yeah, no, nobody's using it correctly. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was a frustrating ability. Are you just like mad that like, you're watching them? I don't like the them. core ability itself, Barler, as well. And I'm gonna mm. rant about it before we get onto this new patch because I've got to really? get it out I, my system. I, I, okay, get it off. All right, here's here's why I fucking hate it. It's a wall that goes down. It's like a smoke, right? It's not really a sage wall. It doesn't block people from pushing through it. It's more like a smoke that you can't shoot through. So there's no punishment for just swinging through it and trying to catch timings on people. And I swear that's all that happens every time there's a every time an astral yeah. goes down. It's just somebody waits on the other side of it and they're like. Three, two, one. Yeah, sure. I'll just dip through it now. And they just push through it, and they, they're either pre-aiming some position, and there's no way that you can hold the entirety of the Astra wall. It just it simplifies and boils down the whole round. As soon as the wall goes down, it just boils it all down to, oh, who can push through the wall and see if they can win an aim duel? I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Get it out of the game. Fucking replace it with something else. Um, I, it's the first ability in the game where I've really felt... Uh, a hatred for an ability that's in the game. I don't think it's additive to any strategic element at the moment. It's just the way that people are using it is just. <laughs> what do you mean? Poop. This is this looks. I here's the thing though. I fully realize that I'm. It's a very reactive take, a very emotive take. People yes, are going to get better yes, with the it ability. Is. It's going to look better in the future. But right now, it's making me maul out of control because even when people use walls that seem like they should be good, it's just. 
it just incentivizes shitty play the, where you're just what's the to difference between like when they use a good smoke versus an, an astral i i feel like it's the same thing you just get the advantage they try to timing you well i think good, good smokes tend to be confined within choke points right and they're quite yeah. small so if you're holding the smoke you have good crosshair placement which is different if you put down an astral wall it's very hard to get so that's good a shit astral wall if you're if, if you end up because that's that's what we saw this weekend and even in pro play it's like sure but also generally some, people just suck at putting it down they, they just put they it do. down where there's so much space behind it it's like yeah literally yeah. 15 people could all fit but, behind and literally but is that go a good ability if you are only limited to using it to cut off a choke point in the same way you would a single smoke i feel like that's just a bad ability then it's if you can't use it for its like size it's just a bigger viper wall that i think blocks yeah. bullets yeah i feel I like it's cool that. i feel like the excess height and width of it has in a way made people uh use it incorrectly because it's often best used just to i think like cover a door that players need to retake yeah. out of yeah. and like for instance i don't know people were like for instance people would would use it on bind and either if they were using it on uh, a they would put it uh like basically center through the site and it mimicked that old set execute with the smokes where you just smoke to the left and the right side of yeah, the triple box. Yeah. Like people would put it there, for instance. And then what you're talking about with people finding timings just happens. And I, I, I saw the same, a uh, similar thing on B. Like people would put it kind of towards more of the middle of the site near the container. But in reality, the alt would be more powerful if they just put it right on the door from yep. CT, yeah. because then the players coming out of that door just have to run out, and if you have one guy standing in hookah looking at it, it's a free kill. Yeah. Like, I think that, <laughs> I think that, no, genuinely, I think that, this, that the alt being so goddamn girthy has actually, <laughs> it, it, it has created this deceptive idea as to how to use it, where it's like, oh, it's so big, we should just block off as much space as we can. Yeah, yeah. Well, in reality, yeah. if you just put it in front of a door, it just basically locks off that door from retakers indefinitely. But the it's other thing only is as good as a sound. smoke. Right. No, because, but, but people try to use it as a smoke, but without sound on the other side of the smoke, you are screwing yourself even more because then you can't even hear that exactly. the timings are about to come. Yeah. You can't you, hear that the flash is about to them. come through. You if can't you react. It, if you put it in a doorway, they can still flash through it, and it becomes a disadvantage for you. You can't spam it, unlike a smoke, right? So you can't even punish people that, like... They peek their head in and then run away again. Yeah, you can't punish that, whereas you could with the smoke. I don't know. It just... You're tripping. You're tripping. You're, you're tripping right now. I, 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 I see where Josh is coming from, though, because realistically, compared to all the other ults where they give you, like, something very distinct, generally, even if they're varying levels of useful, the Astral Ult is just, like, a smoke that you can't spam... And the Which enemy can't fantastic. spam through either, you know. And also, it, but it gives and it works both ways though, because of the fact that like you can't hear them coming through and they can't hear you, right? So like yeah, it's sort of a, a pretty double-edged sword in that respect. So I do see where it's coming it's from. a double-edged sword if you use it bad, but if you use it right, then it's not a double-edged sword. You're just putting yourself in the advantage. You're not give, if you if you make it so that nobody can take advantage of it because you put it right yeah, on the yeah. doorway or on two chokes or whatever then all of a sudden it's not a it's i think there's a lot of room to grow for it though what, because we were molding yeah. about it when we were watching the games that like you would they would put it up like split site and then the entire team would get behind their marshal their troops and then march on out the gates and there'd be nothing they yes. could do like because they would awful. all be behind the site yeah. and they had a wall to protect them but I feel like so bad use is definitely a big problem i think that's affecting yeah. i think i don't like bit. it as well because it's such a simplifier like as soon as it goes up, you just 
wait it out or you gamble and push through it. Like those are the, you, you don't have options to counterplay. It's not interactive. There's no like timer that you're playing around particularly. You just kind of, if it's a good wall, you just wait for it to disappear. If it's a bad wall, well, you just fucking push through it and see if you can catch a timing on someone. I don't know. I haven't been enjoying it, but whatever. We'll wait until it gets better. Um, patch 2.07, I guess. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, nothing's really in this all. bad boy except I mean, for uh, the gravity it, well changes for the most part. Yeah. It just pulls agents that are diffusing the spike. Yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, there's no counterplay to that. Yeah, I mean... Realistically, you, right? I mean, is there, is there counterplay? You can tap the spike and try and bait out the gravity well. That's about it. You just yeah, but even if you tap the spike, really if you don't fun. get away fast enough, you get caught in the suck. You yeah, know? You're still getting pulled. You still Post get caught in the suck yeah. anyways. Post-plant metas are shit in this game. Like, if the, if the game trends in a direction where you're just supposed to run away from the site and spam utility at the spike uh, as to, to win the post-plant, that is a bad direction for the game to go in. There's only a few ways in which the game can go in a, like, objectively poor direction, and one yep. of them is everyone on your team has some like preset molly or whatever or yeah. you're just spamming the 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 spike by pinging it and stuff those are the least interactive rounds that you can get in valorant right now they're they're not fun to watch they're just rng or difficult to interact with and, and when you're playing the retake that shit feels awful as well when you have to navigate a minefield of seven thousand different pieces of utility just to get the spike off and the players are playing in bloody narnia especially if it's a astro who literally doesn't have to play anywhere near the spike yeah. in order to get a lineup i, I don't it's think just, this is the right direction it is not it, it is simply it's it's not fun it's also not interesting and i don't think i think the only solution for that is to just not have agents trend in that direction. Like you, this change should be reverted. Um, like I, I've seen at, at various times, people speculate then of like an agent that can in some way counter the utility coming down. Yeah, like but a that's trophy also not interesting agent. to yeah. just have an agent that denies yeah. utility coming at the spike from across. The, so then you have to, well, you have to run that and put up a. Because Whatever. then that denies like all every barrier. setup that's ever existed for like I, Killjoy or Silva so as well. What's, if you have what's, the anti-utility yeah. agent that like, eats it all, and then at, at what I don't know. That would like the worst case scenario is that yeah, it just trends in that direction, and then every post plan is just lobbing utility over the walls. Every each game other. I've seen that has a trophy system as a as a thing, and by trophy system okay. I mean. It's a passive ability that you put on the floor, and it eats a certain amount of projectiles that come towards it. It's a must pick. Every single time that I've seen it used in a game, it becomes a must-pick ability because it's just so powerful. It, it consumes passively other people's stuff. I mean, maybe if it was like Diva where you had to aim it and like you're trying to eat mollies and shock darts out of the air as it comes towards you. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. but that's so... I don't know. It's so niche. It's, it's just an... It's uh, sorry. I just have to say as well. It's just an unnecessary yeah, change, given that Astra's been in the game for what uh, twenty minutes. Well, we, <laughs> yes. we, we, have, we have not even really seen what she can do, yeah. and clearly, given now that we have, we got, we're getting some more, some more games, more tape, more data. It was really good. Even <laughs> so before this, we need to her pick right rate away? was going. It was it was eighteen percent. The first opens moved up to twenty six percent. Now it's like 30% after challengers and in this last Renegades tournament or in this last uh, NSG like weekly thing, it's even higher. So 
yeah i mean it was already trending up i don't think that we needed to i think this is like fundamentally they were like oh actually this is how we we want it to be and yeah. they're like yeah let's just let's just change it right now before before anything else happens but um in, in terms of like the post plant thing i think i like sitting in the middle where like yeah you guys I, I agree with all of what you guys are saying it's not fun to watch it's not it's not anywhere interesting especially if you start adding like trophy counters and stuff like that but um i think if it was like if there was like one molly for example that that could come down i think that that would be cool like back in the day when we used to play brim and beta it wasn't like sure. a fun meta but it was like hype you know it's like oh he sells the his, he sells the molly they have to rush him down like that sort of thing that was like an interesting moment but when it's viper and astra and they have two mollies plus two gravity wells plus their shock darts coming in and hunter's fury it's just like the worst thing possible yeah. i mean it's the, it's so boring it's the worst time for it as well with the viper <laughs> with just endless mollies endless shock darts i mean the smoke was, is part of the worst it's almost the worst part about it because a viper mm -hmm. smoke on the thing can be reactivated multiple times and every time you activate it it's gonna do that first 50 points of decay damage immediately which I still can't wrap my head around why that is in the game at all. <laughs> yeah, that's it's such wild. It, 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 you just so, get, it, it's so I'm about to go off again. Against. It's you, such lazy every balance. Time, every time it gets Pop. mentioned, I just, I, I, I don't know. It, it is unbelievably frustrating and unfun to play against. It is just not fun. If you, um, if you have to give an agent a fucking death aura so that whenever she looks at you, you take a third of your health, then you need to address the core problems of the agent. If that's yeah. the buff that it requires, the getter be get being played more often, address the core problems. Why? Give her an extra Ugh. smoke. Let her retract her one smoke. Give her something to make her more viable in her role as a smoker. Don't just buff the damage and buff the numbers. That's so so reductive it's so lazy and misses the point of what the issue but it's is. beyond just buffing the damage right because it's one thing if they had okay you decay a bit faster it's literally just 50 damage <laughs> right there like instant minus 50 just no like conditions. that's crazy Nothing. it's not even an increase in decay rate it's just 50 damage right off the bat well i mean that they tried nuts. that stuff right they tried the increase of decay rate they tried like like all that stuff was tried already for Viper, and then they're just like, screw it, let's just go full send, let's make it so that Viper is played, so that we could actually like observe it, I guess, in in a sense. I guess. I maybe. mean, the, the, there's a problem when the meta of it becomes just put the fucking wall straight down the map. They'll have to walk <laughs> through it, and they're gonna take fifty. It's it's so silly. So uh, just the the, I, the Viper Astra duo right now is just entirely frustrating to play against. It, the yeah it, it, it needs i've been to trying to watch like as much of new patch as possible like the old the the nursery tournament and the one that happened yesterday as well and watching these teams play on the new patches is interesting because like i i think that competitively yeah it's oppressive and it is super frustrating to play against but it's not actually like overpowered in a sense because these teams are just timing through the wall all together and they're like not even they're not they're still not respecting it when when things are happening which is really interesting like Renegades mean, is just like yeah, isn't sure, that almost the worst case scenario damage. too yes, it's like I it's think not so. having a competitive um impact uh, at, at a like coordinated level but in ranked mm -hmm. it just feels terrible to play against you have to whenever you're doing balance yeah. changes it's not just about finding the perfect mathematical balance possible you also have to address the feelings of your players there's yes. a perception 
part that always comes into balance, which is, does this feel good to play against? Does it feel interactive? Is it fun? Is it fun to play against? Is it fun to play with? It's not even more fun to play with this change. It's not like you're doing anything cool. You can't even you just feel it. You can't even feel the fact that they, they take yeah. 50 damage. All you get to do is try to kill them faster when they come through. It's just really, really weird. Um, right. Yeah, no, the feeling aspect at the... the the, whenever you even see a viper wall you're just like i'm getting griefed like this is awful like, it's so bad in in that aspect that i feel like the pro players when they're actually playing in this this comp it's just like they're just gonna rage and the games are just gonna be bad after that after a certain point you know not not every agent needs to be viable all the time on every map it's okay to have niche agents that have their place and their roles on some maps. And that's where Viper was, and I think it was fine. You don't, not, yeah. it's never gonna happen. There's gonna be like 50 agents in this game in a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, just, there's just no, it's, it's just, it, it can never be done. So having Viper as just a cool agent that she has a role, like, okay, she's going to be used on Icebox. That's cool. And yeah. when some teams bring her out on Split, that's cool. We're seeing her on Bind. Yeah, cool. on Bind, actually. So it's, the, the agents will find their place naturally. Um, mm, I think obviously it's... not all of them. Like sometimes, yeah, obviously you're going to need to buff sometimes like, hello, uh, Yoru. But if, if you're witnessing enough data, which I think that we had, to say that she is viable under X, Y, and Z circumstances, which are fairly map dependent, which is always going to be the case in a game like this, that mm -hmm. I think you've reached the goal of where an agent should be. I don't think you need to push it further than that. I think we were there too. Yeah, we like, were. E EU was fantastic. Yeah, the Viper play that we were seeing is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, yeah I think they're looking weird. more think... ranked. Sorry, what? I think they're looking more ranked. Right, rather than uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I also think that there was like a timing thing where, where they're like, okay, Omen is the only viable controller right now. And they're like, this isn't working. And they like forgot that they were releasing Asher or something, or they were like, no, we have to try to get these changes, but we can't do it before Masters. So we're going to do it after Masters. And then they do it after Masters, and then Asher comes out, and it's just like, oh, wait, this doesn't work. Because imagine, imagine this, like, Okay, maybe maybe this is actually a terrible thing to imagine, but imagine we don't have Astro, we just have the Viper buffs. Now we at least are having like some duality between the controllers that we're playing, maybe? Like, is I mean, that? <laughs> not even that, right? Like, it's not like Viper's become more viable as a solo smoker anyway. She hasn't, nothing about that has actually changed. She's not yeah, more true. flexible in terms of how she can lay down her utility. They haven't, they haven't fixed that. She still has one smoke and she eats it. You need a lineup to be able to throw it and then... It's gone. Bye-bye. You've thrown it into the ocean. Also, Bala, you just reminded me of the worst part about this entire discussion, which is that Challenges Finals and probably Reykjavik are going to be on this kind of patch. Where, and people are going to be incentivized Great. to play Viper because she's so OP, or, or at least overtuned, and they're not going to have planned for it accordingly. So it's not even like... It's not even like we're going to see great Viper play, probably, because the teams have been forced into it rather than having their own ideas of what they want to do with it. Just... Ugh. Molded. Yep. Just playing on a set. And also, I, it's still an map. issue, too, on top of that. It's a really bad timing where we're in a situation where since the spectator tools are still developing, they're still in their infancy, you know, they're learning how to walk. They're crawling right now. Soon they're going to be walking, but they're still in the toddler stage. And uh, now we're going to have Astro Smokes, Astro Wall, Viper Walls, Viper Smokes, Viper Ults, 
all over Reykjavik, all, like on, on challenger finals <laughs> everywhere. And, and there's no color coordination. We don't know what's going to be happening. Like even during like when we were watching some of the games this weekend and, and earlier, it's wild how much the amount of visual clutter has upscaled at points in yeah. certain fights without those heroes. Now imagine with Viper and Astro full time, all the time for LAN. Like it's going to be Bro. like, I can already tell that like immediately what's going to happen. The, twi- the What's going to change is like no longer is Valorant a dead game. Now Valorant is a confusing visual clutter game that sucks. And like, that's going to be the new Twitter narrative, you know, because whatever, like, because it's going to be silly. It's a terrible time when our spectator tools are so, like, so early on to have this much potential visual clutter in a very, very big first land moment. That X set envy game, one X set hit envy with the triple wall execute <laughs> on a ascent triple wall they, they they put down the cosmic divide we did's viper wall comes in and then thwaifo on sage runs in with a wall the fucking triple wall execute it's just uh, it's too much it is funny. too much but also no really uh if if by any chance if, if some sort of developer or someone is watching that could reach out to a developer i don't know they have their mail send them an envelope <laughs> mail. Mail um let them know to at least color coordinate the uh, abilities on the minimap because with a in some of these games where there's like a killjoy a cypher and two astras you just I well, can't see what's what. Well, actually, part of the patch notes that we had here as well were involving that change being added. Oh, really? Yeah, we had color-coordinated cipher tripwires. Now, I don't know why they mm. didn't extend this further and go to, like... To everything else. Killjoy. Alarm. Well, the big thing to me is the Killjoy ones are normally pretty evident, in my opinion, because they have to play within a cluster, and they're always positioned based on, like... How, like, it's very clear most of the time where the Killjoy utility is, whether it's an attacker or defender utility. Astra, it isn't in the slightest. Astra, you have to pause the game and go, why would they place it there? Oh, right, that's why. It's it's the attackers. Why is that one there? Oh, it's for that reason. Therefore, it's the attackers. You have to, like, reverse engineer all of the shit on the map and figure out its purpose before you can figure out who it is. And it's the same way with Viper Walls, too. When you have a site that's being hit and someone saves their wall, like on Icebox, for example, for B-Site, where the defenders will save their wall or something to split the site for the retake, there's, like, two walls intersecting and everyone's walking through walls and you're like, whose wall is which? I don't know. I have no fucking clue. What is happening on site right now but they yeah so they have added this associated team color for the cypher tripwires which people have been asking for for a long long time now why the tripwires are still moved 90 degrees to the way that they should be i don't know but that's still a thing um but this at least implies that they have the technology we now have the technology (laughs) for color yeah so i assume that something similar will be added to astra because yeah. Astra is the biggest offender right now, in my opinion. I mean, uh, why not just? I mean, just add it to everything, right? I mean, what's the drawback? Probably, yeah. What's the? Yeah. There's no drawback. <laughs> the just add it to all of them. I don't well, know what I don't know what this looks like when it's actually on the minimap at the moment because we haven't we haven't yeah. seen it. It's just been announced that it's being added. But most of the outlines are black background with white logo drawn on top. Yeah. Is is roughly how they are. You don't have to make the black part the team color. You can make the white yeah, drawing the, the yeah, team color. Drawing. It only has it yeah. has to be that subtle, and it will still be helpful. I, I don't know which way, way around it's going to be, but it doesn't have to be like a bunch of bright colors all over the minimap. You can still make it kind of subtle. You could even just put a small ring around it 
around the outside or whatever, and it would still be more useful than it is currently. Yeah. You can't even... I'm, I'm looking at a, a, the VOD from last night in the NSG tournament. There's a Cypher trip bar. I don't, I don't see a difference. But the, right now. I mean, that was been played on patch 2.06, wasn't it? No, 7.7. 7. This was yesterday. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't even see a difference. Well, then... Uh, okay. Here, I'll, I'll send it to Kurt. I don't, I don't know. know if you can pull we it can up. all examine this. Get your mm. microscopes out, Jack. Get your <laughs> microscopes out. <laughs> Great. Why would you... You sent this... This is not a link. You have to oh, sorry, copy, sorry, sorry, paste sorry, sorry, sorry. it. Oh, my God. Jeez. Give me a break. Here you go. God. <laughs> all right. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Look how close he is to his camera. He's like an old man. What the right, what's going I, on here, huh? It, I... I I can't see. I mean, I... Can you see it? Are you sure <laughs> this is a new patch? Are you this is a new patch. Look, it's 2.07 behind the So, I mean, I guess. Colors are you... Spotted. Are you sure that's on 2.07? It says 2.07 on the screen. Yes, I'm sure. Maybe there's like a spec. Maybe the, have the spectator tools been updated, perhaps? Maybe uh, they haven't. No, it says, maybe not, it's an it says now display to observers with associated maybe, team color. Maybe it's an option and they haven't added it. Oh, yeah. That, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Okay. Like right. maybe it's an option and they haven't, those, those observers hadn't turned it on. Well, it's about to be a cause... nine hour episode. <laughs> really good. Okay. All right. Let's 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 move on. This was the smallest patch they've ever released, and we've talked about it for two hours. All right. Challenges. Uh, challenges one. Stage two. Challenges one. A hundred thieves come out with the win. They beat Exit in the end. Yeah. But more importantly, four teams have moved on to challenges finals. That's really the thing that matters here. The seeding is a bit all up in the air because there's still so many good teams that have yet to make it through from challenges too because we had all of those big upsets at the beginning so I, I i don't know about you guys but i don't even feel like seeding becomes that important i'm not convinced that like sentinels would get first seed in the next tournament I, like yeah. it's i don't know it doesn't feel like it's I mean, gonna be that that crucial to may, me maybe we're not convinced but like probability wise the best teams are not gonna be you know not placing at the what am I trying to say? They're not going to be placing eighth, basically going into challengers finals. They're not going to get the eighth seed, right? Sentinels. So 100 probably. thieves getting first seed is probably they probably have better chances because of that. It's not like yeah. the most important thing. And seeding never is the most important thing. But I, I think X at 100 thieves getting the first and second seed is probably a good thing for them. Sure. Yeah. So let's. I, I want to talk about some of the like crucial elimination games before we get into the into the top four though, because the games to decide the top four. We had C9 coming off a, a spate of wins in the tier two scene, essentially, right? Because they were winning, they won like the NSG yeah. monthly tournament and that kind of stuff. Um, and they come into this and immediately take down Immortals. So they started looking pretty damn good there. And then the, the way in which they kind of dropped off and ended up missing out on top four, I think was a little unexpected to me. Like I thought that Cloud9 would end up coming through with that fourth place spot, but instead it ended up being version one. This this you was so? a, you think that this was I think this was a bit of a surprise to me yeah I mean considering C9 had beaten Jinji in the open quals and Immortals earlier it's yeah. a surprise to lose to version one I think that's a surprise for sure I, I would have absolutely rated Cloud9 above version one coming into this tournament and like maybe not a whole tier above but a couple of places above them for sure really yeah I yeah mean, they, they just they just beat them in the NSG tournament as well didn't they I don't know whether they played mm. against them. But they certainly placed much higher than them in the tournament itself, I think. They, they beat them 
Oh, they beat them 2-0 yeah, no, during I mean, the tournament yeah, itself. Yeah, so I yeah. I had the impression coming in that actually this was a bit of a reduce. Oh, well, I mean, Jesus Christ. I didn't realize it was 2018. <laughs> I guess 35 is <laughs> yeah, dicking, so. though, but uh, 2018 is crazy. Yeah, I, I didn't find that particularly odd. I mean, version one as well, if you want to talk about the route in, they did beat phase two, which was yeah. a good win. But I, I think I thought they were a pretty impressive team. They were just they were a solid team. They have good fragging. Specifically, their Jet Penny is definitely like a legit star player. He's really good. He seems to yep. he has that intangible quality where whenever a series gets deep, he always turns up. Like on the third map, he just always goes off. Um, he's he's a pretty clutch player in in that way. That's just like the the X factor that you cannot teach. He just has a knack for always showing up at the end for them. Um, he he's a really good player, but yeah, I think Virgin One are just a solid team overall. Um, their their attacking halves aren't you know they're not uh, doing anything remarkable. They they usually find success off just fast sight executes and good fragging. Um, their defensive halves are more impressive. I think they have nice setups. I like how they play their early defensive rounds. I just think they're they're a pretty solid team. I think they're a solid team, and at the moment, I think that they're a, a bit more. They're more well-rounded in regards to the the team play than Cloud9. Uh, probably given that Cloud9 have gone through so many changes up until this point. Um, Cloud9 were definitely, in my mind, they were making it through based on a lot of individual heroics versus mm -hmm. the, the sure. a, a bit better of like the fundamental team play of a team like mm -hmm. version 1. Yeah, I definitely noticed that in the 100 Thieves C9 game was that C9 seemed like they had some decent ideas and their individual skill on players like Poison Leaf was very good. But the actual, when they had the idea to like run this exec, which seemed like it was good, I liked the plan, but then their execution of that was pretty sloppy and just came down to individuals trying to force duels as much as possible rather than, um, rather than really relying on their fundamentals and their trade-in and stuff to... I, th I think it was also like how they were taking the map on their attacking side as well. The their players, actually Zeta as well, had a great tournament in my opinion. He, yeah. he looked really impressive too. That trio of Poise, Leaf, and, and Zeta has some serious potential. Um, but I think their team play is still pretty off. Like they shine as individuals, but not necessarily when it comes down to like, I don't know, the coordination you need game to be plan. at the tier one. Yeah. I thought their game plans were lacking too. The game against Immortals, like especially that Ascent game, Yes, they, they ended up taking the series and like why it said it's like individual plays, but that, that ascent game was just poor. And they had the same issue on Haven as well, where it was like they were just bashing their head in the wall, doing the same thing over and over and over and losing like pretty significantly on, on the first halves. And then coming back and like having heroics with Leaf and Poise and, and honestly Zeta. Zeta, in my mind, saved that entire Cloud9 uh, Immortals game from them by winning the two pistols like single handedly. Um, so yeah, it's like a game plan thing. I think that, you know, I, I don't have too much context on Cloud9 before this, but what I do want to see from them is not too many adjustments in terms of comps or anything like this, because I think it fit. I think it worked. I think they just need more and more depth, um, because yeah. that's yeah. how you end up getting that team play stuff that you guys are talking about. This roster could potentially get some mileage. Like, for real, this roster could get some mileage, and I feel like it's just a, you know, it makes you sad, very sad when you think about how long poise was stuck as like the sixth man on this roster when poise could have been playing for c9 this entire time yeah, and like he was so good and the, they I mean, just, just he just wasn't playing for the up, longest he, time 
he was their best player in this yeah. in this tournament. I mean, if if not, maybe maybe Zeta, because also Zeta just desperately needed to be on this support role the whole time. I yeah, I will yeah. never that that. I mean, we don't need to fucking go back into history every time we talk about Cloud9, but I, I, why, why was he playing Jet? They, I mean, when you see this, when you see this roster now with the comps they have now, it's just why were they ever doing anything else? Also, given that this was, it's not like this was some wild change that they needed to experiment to figure out, wait, Poise is good at Jet. Yeah. Zeta was good at support. Like, the, no, we had yeah. all the information. Yeah. So, I, but I'm glad they're there. I'm glad that they've ended up in a place and I, I agree. This roster could have some some mileage for sure. And it yeah. is that trio. And Poise looked really good. I'm glad that we... I am glad we finally got to see him play, I guess, at all. <laughs> when when was the, I mean, I can't even remember the last time he's really played a tournament that we've watched. Um, it feels like it's It was only open time. qualifiers, and he only played on, like, Bind or something like that. So. Yeah, he played, like, one... Yeah, and he was playing Rays, I think. Like one, yeah, so <laughs> I'm just glad that we actually are getting to see him play. Because now... Also, as a viewer, we know for sure, okay, this guy has real potential. I, um, I, I want to move the conversation on a little bit to Immortals, too, because they're one of the teams that people haven't talked about that much, but the expectations coming in for Immortals, I would say, were much higher than what they actually achieved here. They, they managed to beat Anbox, sure, but the early loss to Cloud9 and then going out to, to Xset feels to me like they've really failed to capitalize on an opportunity to get into Challengers Finals due to some large upsets. The major yes. teams that normally take them down, the teams that they nor normally flump against deep in a bracket, were not present here particularly. I mean, sure, Envy was, 100 Thieves was. They didn't lose to those guys. They lost to C9, they lost to Xset. This is not... I feel like the aspirations for Immortals are way higher than this. I feel like we had... A, I, I think... Immortals came in a bit overestimated, and definitely, I think, um, in, in context of... I, I know I was definitely hyping them up coming in because they just blew TSM out of the water. And it turned out that the two maps they rolled TSM on, Haven and Bind, were by far their better maps in this tournament. Every other map they played on was kind of a dud. When they got to those two, they could find wins. Um, and that was the problem for me. I think their map pool was just... It was strictly hit or miss. Well, and they also have the hardcore... At this point... And I've, I've put I put up the nomenclature at this point. I feel like they have hardcore so far, at least Mayfly or Cranefly, depending on what you say. Syndrome, where like <laughs> they start out really strong. They have like the the first, you know they have like a one day lifespan in the tournaments in the tournament where like they start out pretty good, and then as soon as they get past like the initial rounds, they just crater. Like some sort of weakness happens, whether it be map pool, whether it be they just don't execute. Because also even their C nine game, they had a great ascent versus C nine, like. C9 had no idea what to do against them on Ascent. Like, they just owned the map so heavily. Now, granted, part of that was because C9 was not being very dynamic and doing a very good, like, job with, like, map control or executes. But, you know, either way, there was points where Immortals definitely still had, like, very solid showings, and especially earlier on in the tournament. But they just stopped... I don't know, a lot of the things that they were doing, they sort of stopped doing as we go further into the tournament. And on top of that, they just stopped having nearly as impactful like setups where they could like catch people or crunch people like they were doing on other maps. So it's some sort of like, and they've done it multiple times now. This is not the only time that Immortals has done this with this particular roster. So it's odd to me that the, I feel like it has to be something just not clicking somewhere on top of the existing map pool issues the further they go on into the tournament. I feel like 
they haven't been the same since the the stinger patch. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if this is like some crazy hot take, but like after Challengers two, they just like have never been the same, bro. They tried to like shot up on the breach stuff, and now it's finally you know they're not really doing that, but they just haven't felt like that elite team like where LG was. We we were like putting them next to Sentinels back in Challengers one, um, and since since then it's just been like yeah, I mean they're still they're still a, a team that should be getting top four for sure. Like, I'm not, like, reducing my expectations for them even that far. Um, but they're not they're not top two. They're not top three anymore in a tournament like this. Uh, sure. One thing I do think is that this experiment with, with Rossi is actually going, like, it's, it's yeah. not a tank. He's he's playing pretty well. He's IGLing pretty decently for them. Like, there wasn't any, like, fundamental, like, game plan mistakes or anything like that for, from, from my perspective, at least. And his Astra looks... Looks pretty fun. Looks pretty good. He's doing some decent combos, but for the most part, it's just like him and Gangsta comboing, and they don't have anything else because nobody's playing a raise or nobody's playing Sage or anything that will really combo with Astra very well. So that yeah. that is a minus for sure. And I think it's fair to say that they they're like radically changing some of the the roles and the IGL and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it, it would take a little bit of time. That would be fair, except they don't have time. That's None of the teams say. have time. So yep. it's not like you can. It's not like you can just be, oh, well, you know, wait and see. They'll improve. Shit, shit's real right now. Like, right now is where you need to be good. Okay, you've missed your opportunity. You do have one more chance of being able to make it to, to Reykjavik or, or at least make it to Challengers Finals um, in the first place. But things are, starting to, things are starting to get extremely real, even if we're thinking about the context of champions right now. If you didn't get points during Masters 1 and you fail to qualify for Masters 2, shit's starting to get real for, like, your, your aspirations for the entire year at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, that's a scary thought for teams like this that are trying to be one of those teams that are on the come up. Yeah. Uh, you, you really have to get going pretty fast. And unfortunately, yeah, that's the thing. I think they missed their shot. I don't see them making it in the next week. It would be... Uh... Miraculous if they did, something yeah. would have to majorly click with what they're doing. There's and, so many good teams and, and next week. Not, I mean, yeah, the, the next week is just crazy stacked. Um, and it's not that they don't have a chance, they certainly do. And I actually like the changes that they were making with the comps. Um, but it's just such a stacked week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this yeah. was this was their chance to really make it. it I just it, can't they, see them get, getting it, ahead it, of send phase, etc. If they want to make it, Shot Up needs to be way better. He needs to be back in the the uh, Shot Up is one of the best players in the world type of type of situation because this this weekend he didn't feel like that at all. Like yeah, he was still top fracking. He was walking down Haven like pulling off some ridiculous shit. But like he needs to be that Shot Up, not this Shot Up. I think as well. Well, the other team that uh, that, that was an interesting one to follow, I think, was Envy throughout this tournament. I want to. I want to talk about them for a while. We, we already talked with BCJ about XSET for quite a while as well when we did the interview with him. Um, but Envy's an interesting one because our aspirations for Envy are always for greatness. Like they, they should always be the team that is a favorite, maybe not a favorite to win a tournament, but they're always... In the conversation. They're always in the conversation, yeah, sure. And uh, this time they, they qualify and then they start running weird shit. What do you guys make of that? <laughs> the Victor Sky and that kind of stuff. 
it feels to me like they are just hardcore saving strats for yeah. for challenges finals. Yeah. I mean, they said as much on, on like, board with? essentially they all implied as much on Twitter as well. I mean, people were even saying that they had never seen food play Sky in like a scrim, like other players that had scrimmed <laughs> them until he showed up that day on the tournament playing Sky, and you could tell because uh, his birds get entrapped, snared in a lot of situations on corners. His birds <laughs> flashing his team multiple times all the time it was like clearly not a practice set play for them when no. you watch them play around the victor sky I, th I think he i think he bought sky before the game actually <laughs> i think it's possible that he just purchased the agent um it was it was i mean yeah they were just saving strats i mean what, what can you really say about that i actually think the interesting dynamic was that in that game against 100 thieves Though it was just for seeding at that point, and Envy were clearly, they were doing the sky, they were yeah, just, yeah. whatever, we're saving strats, we're just going to show up. 100 Thieves weren't playing to win, and I, I don't know if that's really been acknowledged, because I think people have been more so focusing on the... The, uh, the underperformance? Not so much the underperformance, but rather just the, uh, the, the seeding aspect of the right, qualifier, right. and that uh, like Envy didn't try. Hundred Thieves were, they were showing their hand, it looked like, to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see now what they have left in the tank um, and, and what they're going to cook up in like the next uh, two weeks for the challenger final. Because as far as I could see, I, I don't know how many more cheeky walls Ethan is going to bring out. But at this point, I mean, I, I pretty much know where Ethan is going to be at any <laughs> point on a wall. He was letting it all go. They were running different strats. In fact, they're actually copying a lot of Ascend's plays which was funny like specifically there was one that was literally they just did a sense pistol round against heretics on ascent on mm. uh ascent on the last map of the uh, eu right, finals right. they just copied a sense so i'm like okay they're clearly they're they're bringing some new shit to the table here and they're just letting it fly in the lower bracket final where yeah, food is yeah. on sky yeah um so I, i'm wondering what they're gonna bring in challengers finals i think that was kind of the interesting dynamic of that game but aside from that for me envy were just I mean, they kind of just coasted through. Honestly, I felt it, this was a this was a sure qualifier for them. It was cool to see Mummy playing Astro. They were one of the teams taking advantage of that, and he was playing the Astro mm. really well. But for the rest of it, more of the same. Mummy was on Astro playing well. Victor's on Phoenix. He's running around. He's getting a uh, he's just he's getting a ton of kills, and it was yeah. that envy. Yeah. What do you guys think about the? structure of the Valorant scene at the moment where teams are incentivized to throw away $50,000 tournament titles <laughs> in order to save strats for challenges finals. Because that is bonkers <laughs> to me. It's fucking ludicrous. I like how that started with, what do you guys think? And then you just, Listen, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in really I'm just interested in your guys' opinions, though, as well, because I was talking to the European teams, and well, I was trying to book some of them for back chat, actually, some yeah. of the some of the players, and the I mean, I was talking to the teams that had already qualified for Challengers Finals. I'm talking about I'm I'm talking to FPX and I'm talking to Guild, and those guys didn't want to come on any media shows whatsoever until they've already qualified for Reykjavik. Like those those guys are like yeah. they 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 are so focused, even when it got to... And Europe is different because the only seeding match was the grand final, but they were still fucking going at it, hammer and tongs in the grand final, but presumably for seeding because they think it's going to be really important when, once is. they actually get there. And, the and yet that same mentality did not carry over to North America. Is that because there's so many upsets? <laughs> is that... 
Is that because people just don't care about the tournament winnings, really, because they've already won so many? And I, I think more... there's a the difference between EU and NA is that EU has literally never played out a bracket for seeding or, or otherwise, so they mm. don't get a difference in prizing. They never had that anyways, um, oh. whereas NA is like, this is the what is it, sixth played out back bracket? We had the two first strike close qualifiers that they played out all the way. Envy won one of those and got first seed there. There was Challengers one. That was uh, won by Sentinels. Challengers two won by Envy again. Like, I think people are getting tired and they also don't realize the aspect of like how decent seeding might be. But also in EU, Challengers finals were bringing in CIS teams, were bringing in Turkish teams. Like sure, yeah. teams that definitely, if they're eighth seed, are going to be really, really, hope. I mean, potentially easy. I mean, we don't really know, but... But yeah, that's the easy idea for FPX yeah. to to sure. to just roll over. And if they have a good bracket, then that could be there. You go all the, because yeah. they're going to play single elimination too. It's going to be a top top eight single elimination bracket for EU. They're going to play two games and qualify for Reykjavik. So seating is so crucial compared to the double sure. elim. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a big thing. Is that if seating mattered more for North America, they'd probably care more. But it is ridiculous because we discussed this when we were watching the games this weekend. Was that like Theoretically, if Envy could have potentially lost in the lower bracket finals playing the strat to exit, and they and they well not the lower bracket finals, I should say the um I should say they could have lost potentially earlier than that and not made it into the top four, you know, like when they were playing their like troll comps, you know, they like the seeding could matter for them. It could have like there could have been instances where like them saving strats could have potentially affected them in a, in a negative I mean, way. They still can, right? Money. Still, yeah, because I mean, well. If we it, assume that Sentinels qualifying first, they say, would play Envy first yeah. round, wouldn't they? No. But no. Why no. is that not the they'd case? They'd play version they'd, they'd one. They'd play version one. So I was going to say, right, hypothetically, right, right. though, if you want to go by Masters, they'd be playing against FaZe in the first round, who they got yeah. stepped on. <laughs> FaZe just took, right. their, they took their boot and they just stepped on Envy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that could happen. I mean, they could be going up against FaZe right away. Yeah. Um, it's just weird because like, it, there definitely is stakes on top of the money, $50,000 that were at stake there, you know? And it's definitely a difference in mentality. I feel like, sure, seeding probably matters more for Europe. That's like kind of a definite 100%. But this just feels like I was watching a classic North American thing where like, it's seeding, we don't care. And then whoever didn't care about the seeding feels like they might just go and get slapped. And okay. they're like, oh, I can't believe it. We didn't, you know, like, I can't believe this happened after we threw away our good seeding. Well, <laughs> For, for Envy, too, they got, again, they got first seed twice already, and they tried in those matches against 100 Thieves, and who was it the second time around? I think it was Sentinels, right? They tried yeah, in those sure, matches. They sure. didn't hide anything, and yep. and they just don't even really get a benefit because I think they lose in first round in both of those, or it was second round of first strike, and then lost in, uh, I think it was, I don't remember who they played first in Master, but either case, like, they didn't really get any super value out of it. Yeah, but it's not like the seeding itself was the issue. It's just the fact that they just didn't play. Yeah, so as well why as they why do they care in the first place? I guess. Is but I mean, that's saying. like that's a very odd question. That's a very odd thing to do, right? Maybe. Because like, theoretically, like I could be like, well, you know, I've I've yet to break any bones or tear my ACL when I run well, without stretching, and I just never stretch, well, and eventually no, no. I just collapse, right? So. <laughs> All right, metaphor, Melvin, you're back again. <laughs> like, back at it again. I, the, the thing is, it's not like that, though, for Envy. I think Envy's thinking, oh, we played and we tried in these seeding matches and then teams figured us out, right? That's their perspective. Sure. Yeah, not I, mean, one. I, yeah. I get that. I do get that. That's, that's fair. But there has to be a middle ground, I feel, between that and running Victor Sky, where he flashes his team <laughs> four times into the site. Okay, well, let's talk about 100 Thieves then, because they're the, they're the team that end up coming out on top. And I... Yeah. Yeah, they... they they looked like they've made 
some serious efforts to not really change their identity too much. It's not like they've gone immediately over to playing uh, double duelist everywhere and playing something crazy aggressive, but they've changed up roles and they've changed up individual heroes being played. Like Asuna's is playing quite a bit of Phoenix now within yeah. a solo duelist comp, which is very unusual um, to try and create a new identity for their team. It's not radically different, but it's different enough. And it seemed like they were using these matches to really uh, limit test it, test it out, see what it could get broken by. And they end up winning the tournament. Yeah. Um, I mean, First of all, again, we talked about it a little bit last time, but the Ethan Nitro switch was pretty crucial. I mean, Ethan, so good. Ethan had a, an Ethan excellent was nasty tournament. good on yeah, stage. He, he actually. had an excellent tournament. Um, I mean, immediately putting himself as probably, I mean, not even probably. He's, he's just the he's, best he's, stage, he's the best stage in NA at the moment for I sure. Mean, who else plays I it? I mean, no one else but... is even really playing it. Yeah, so he kind of wins it by default. But why the fact that he was also saying? very good? Wifebo. Um, but he. Uh, yeah, his utility is just really good. Walls aside, I mean, he had a million cheeky walls that he was finding kills off of. But also just uh, his, his slow orb timings and everything. He was playing very well. And then Nitro just looks very comfortable on that omen roll. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would agree. I, I think that some of the stuff they were doing with Phoenix was pretty cool as well. I mean, it was kind of interesting on Ascent. They were playing their defense with the Phoenix in the way that has been booming them for weeks with Asuna yeah. on a lot of the yeah, rounds, yeah. playing aggressively on Cat when the smoke goes down. Oh, him and another player I mean, on Cat, and he'll flash out and they'll peek off did, that. Did like, you see the play that they the made, wall? actually, where they they walled and they peeked above so the smoke with Ethan yes, above the yeah. wall, above the smoke, and then they flashed out Asuna on the bottom? That's gorgeous. That is a lovely, mm. lovely set play to bring out. I mean... That's, That's what I mean, though. They were bringing out, like, some, yeah. some stuff. I mean, they, they were bringing back ancient tech, too, where they would use the wall in pizza to look out onto Cat and catch sure. someone. They did oh, that you want to talk about ancient tech? The Thwaifo versus Ethan David P walls in B-Main on Ascent? That one game where somehow neither team ever checked for a Sage peeking up on the wall over the, uh, the little window with a box in B-Main? They were getting value every round. It was yeah. very, very silly. But... But also good that I feel like Ethan's put a huge amount of effort into getting good at this agent, yeah. and he has very quickly. And I also think that freeing up Nitro to be able to play the Omen is just a great idea for this team. But my issue, though, still watching 100 Thieves when I was taking a look at some of their VODs, is that while the individual play is, is good, that's not the thing that separates 100 Thieves from being the winners of tournaments. What, separate, what stops them being the winners of tournaments is their fundamentals. And I know that that might sound silly because they all come from CS and they should be great at it, but they're not. Like, this team is not that great at just the, the, the coordination and the speed at which they go and help their teammates and everything working as a strict, disciplined system. They're not, they're not there yet. And that might take time, but again, they've now qualified for Challengers Finals. They have this time to do it. That's the next step in terms of getting good. If they work on that side of their game, they can be the best team in North America easily. Like that is the next step for them to get the next level up. They've got all of the individual stuff down, I feel. And their strategies are, are pretty decent. And they've got some cool little tactical plays as well. But when I watch them play, they, their spacing is still very spread. And, and when I was watching them play against... Um, uh, on Ascent, actually, too. A lot of their sight hits end up with Asuna going really deep. Ethan and Nitro are not quite behind him. 
Asuna's not holding the space that he creates. He's just continuing to push deeper and deeper. And then you still have Hiko and Nitro, uh, sorry, Hiko and Steel way at the back. Th this aspect of their game still hasn't shifted fundamentally to me. And that's the big thing that they need to work on to win in the Challengers finals. Because I think they have the potential to do it. This team could be the best in North America. But they, they're going to lose to the good teams if they don't fix that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I actually think that they have a pretty solid chance right now of qualifying for Iceland, which would be cool. I mean, yeah. it would be a, a yeah, cool be team nice. to have there. I, I think they have, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think they have a pretty good chance. Are there any other teams in this bracket that uh, we wanted to talk about? I mean, I would say that it's, I would like to talk about still, um, I, would, we, I feel like we have to finally talk about Exit, sure. you know? Let's yeah. finally give Xset even 10 minutes instead of versus five minutes, you know? Wow. Because they actually had a pretty good tournament. And their match versus, I believe it was Envy in particular. No, it wasn't Envy. Where was the match where their split was like incredible? Their split was like one of the best splits I've like ever seen. Where, which was it? Which was match was that? Against was it the Immortals match? Immortals. I think it was the Immortals. It was. The Immortals match, they 13-3 Immortals and their split their heaven hold was disgusting the way they set up their utility there and they were using the breach flashes it was so so good and like it just reaffirmed to me how bcj is definitely like that guy is gonna be a star that guy he already is really good but he's gonna be a star <laughs> i feel bcj you sound like a greasy <laughs> agent from hollywood <laughs> you really maybe i become an agent next huh maybe that's my next career move God, i become an agent that gave and me I the creeps there. off the top off everyone else's hard work i'm like mm, give me the money <laughs> taking the cream off the top hey bcj talk to me i can make but do you, you a disagree? star baby do you disagree i feel no, like no, I, He's I don't like, disagree with what you said. I disagree with the way you said it. He already sort of is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, All right, cool. Except, uh, my big takeaway was the time that they've put into their setups in regards to their defense and the utility has absolutely paid off. They have their own unique approach with the Astro, where they're comboing everything off the Killjoy. It was working. Their defensive halves were amazing. They just bunkered down the sights. They could not be taken. The defensive utility was too strong. If they want to take their game to the next level, though, and qualify for Iceland, or even just, you know, I, even if they, you know, make like top four, top three in a tournament with all of the top teams, mm. um, like establish themselves in that tier one area of, of, of NA, uh, they need to work on their attack sides. They're just, they're not there yet. They're, they're very readable. Um, as, as you saw throughout really the entirety of the tournament. Just so many rounds ending with them executing on a site where there's already, you know, three-plus defenders lying in wait. So they, they really need to work on their attack sides. But if they can do that, I think they're, they're, they're on the cusp. They are on the cusp. Yeah, I think their attack sides were whack until they started they messing whack. around with the Viper stuff. Like... Until they started messing around against Envy. Like, that's when they were all of a sudden like, oh, wait, these are actually getting getting pretty interesting. Which is cool, because, like, most of that stuff, it seems like, was on-the-fly-esque. Yeah. Like, they had the ideas from we did, but do you think, after that, it was just definitely on the fly. Do you think any of the teams pull out the weird shit that they were playing today in Challenge... Uh, not today, this week in Challenges Finals? I think Exet does. You think Exet might? I, I mean, I they, they, yeah. with the current Viper? 
Yeah, oh, they, they right. literally yeah, just played I mean, next patch. They they played sure. next patch, but pre-patch, and they're like, well, let's so yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I forgot that the Viper is going to be broken, so I think a lot of teams <laughs> might end up mixing stuff up, to yeah. be honest. But you think we're going to see the Victor Sky? <laughs> oh, dear God, Next no! Question. I hope not. Absolutely because not. it doesn't even make you sense in the context, of, like the meta, right? Rates. Because you, I feel like you'd much prefer to have Victor playing Phoenix to flash through these various walls and stuff versus this guy <laughs> versus this guy. Like, it doesn't make any sense. All right. Well, that's uh, that set us up for a really interesting situation, though. Where I'd, oh, here was my final question. Actually, can we take a look at the bracket again, Kurt? Because I want to look at the four teams that actually qualified and ask you guys where you would rank them at the moment in North America. Because it's not as simple, in my opinion, as saying that the four best teams in NA made it through to Challengers Finals right now. But it's also, you know, the, there's a mixture of upsets, but also teams have to be good enough to even make ad, take advantage of the opportunity that's presented to them in the first place. So I'm not saying that these teams are bad or didn't deserve it in any way, but I think that it's an unusual crop of teams that have made it through the first round for the first four top four teams in NA. So I want to ask you, like, where do you think this crop of teams actually matches up and how dangerous is the next crop of teams going to be? Should we expect these teams to qualify for Reykjavik? Do, do you think that the two Reykjavik teams from NA are in this crop of four? Where would you guys put them? I'd say one, one team at least. And then the other team is coming from the rest of us. You think? Yeah. Are you talking about 100 yeah. Thieves when you think about that? Or like someone between 100 Thieves, 100 thieves or Envy? Envy? Yeah, 100 Thieves or Envy, I think, could be. Those two teams are definitely like, probably, I don't see, unless Xset just like had like, new meta just dropped type of situation here where like, <laughs> that's a stream meme for those that were watching. That's a stream meme. But like they, uh, like the, it's a very good situation for them considering that Viper and Astro, they're playing a lot, is going to be meta for them right now and very strong, right? Compared to most NA teams that haven't really been playing nearly as much Viper. But it's hard to not think that Envy or 100 Thieves based on the performance. Like, obviously, we didn't see Envy play their like their absolute best versus 100 Thieves and such, but it's hard to believe those two teams aren't going to be the ones that are going to be more than likely to qualify when looking at the results. I think one thing that's super interesting is the fact that 100 Thieves and Envy are like the two outside of Envy playing Mummy, like none of them. I don't think I've ever seen any of their players play Viper. Yeah. Like, which is going to be cool because like Exa has an advantage. I think um, Immortals has an advantage because they've played Viper in the past, but obviously Immortals is nature. So I don't know. I, I think it's going to be all turned on its head, but like thinking about how this performance went, I, I agree with everything you said, Avast. I think. Version one is definitely bottom of the pack out of the top 18 out of all the challengers finals teams. Version one is probably bottom of the pack. X set is like mid to top tier, and the 100 Thieves and Envy are up in that top tier. Yeah, it's so tough to say. Just, I mean, I think one of the questions for me is what level are FaZe going to be at? Yeah. Because they were playing different stuff. I feel like also we're doing it with the anti-Smeek meta coming up, right? This is literally the anti-Smeek with Viper and Astra. Like, sure. imagine uh, Baby Bay dashing through the Viper wall, taking 50 damage. I do think that, right? Against all odds, maybe the unstoppable force meeting the unmovable object is potentially like <laughs> the unstoppable force will win. But it's... <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I find it highly unlikely yeah. when Bebe takes like 50 damage going through the Viper Wall and is like vulnerable by the Molly, and then he gets blown on and turns into an aerosol spray and vaporized. Like, I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that that's really the main question for me because I think one of the interesting things about the previous um, challenger qualifier as well was just that the the crop of teams from the second round just kind of stormed in and ended up doing really well. Um, Sentinels made it through on the first one, but Who aside from that, teams? Uh, uh, I, Immortals, I don't know, have to pull it up to remember. LG, and... yeah, was, yeah, LG, Phase, Immortals, and right, right, yeah. Team. I mean, Phase but, definitely. Was, but I mean, we're in a position as well. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 looking at hypothetically, probably your on paper top four for this next one should be Sen, Phase, Genji, LG, right? Um, I can't think. There's so many good teams. So but yeah, that sounds about right. It's it's just so tough. I feel like we could end up in a world where Sen and FaZe are the two teams that make it through, depending on how good FaZe are looking. Yeah. There's the potential for know. so many upsets, though, I, coming into the next round as well. Like, upsets will always happen, even if it's just a single tournament. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen it over in Europe as well, that if you, if you miss your first opportunity, you can't guarantee that your second is going to okay, be Okay, well, that was the BS. That's like, Europe is so messed up in that regard, because, like, you're, you're talking about heretics, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heretics was literally in the Challengers tournament, and they had to replay the entire open qualifier. It's not like they were masters, and yeah, we were trying to give them an advantage. Yeah. No, they were in Challengers. Lost in, what was it, first round against DPS, yeah, first I round. want to say? And, and, and all of a sudden, they're not in, they have to play the open qualifier from round of 128 again? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, they just yeah. got... It is kind of wild, but I mean, that's the same situation that's going to be happening in NA as well. I mean, NA has the advantage of double elimination, which is, yeah. which is crucial, but... Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I want to talk about Sentinels a bit more, though, because there's been some information released about Tenz's situation with them. They've managed to negotiate uh, an advancement of, what, like a lease, I think it's been reported as, until the end of Challengers Finals. So they will be playing with Tenz um, until they figure out whether or not they're going to Reykjavik, right? That's, that's the point at which then yep. Jack gets an additional bag. He just yeah. keeps a crew in the mini bag. It's like... I, this to me is like, have you ever had a parent that told you, oh, always make sure you buy a used car? Or, uh, don't make, you know, it's, it's better to buy a house than rent it. You're just wasting your money if you end up renting. I feel yeah. that's, what, that's what Sentinels are doing right now. They're going to end up renting tens for so long that they're going to yeah. spend more money than the bloody buyout in the first place. I do like the word least being used <laughs> in this. I don't think I've seen that in esports. Like tens well, I mean, I feel like Ford that's the, the term that they've been using in esports for a while for, like for players that are under contract that are playing for loan. a different team longer term. Yeah, I guess loan. There's also loan, but... Least in this case makes more sense because you are literally paying to use it generally. Yeah, like yeah. you are, like I'm assuming, and like the, I find it highly unlikely that there's no way Sentinels is not paying some sort of amount to continue. Oh, to absolutely, use of so, course they are definitely. Yeah. Now there was also a report. I don't know whether you have access to it, Kurt, by George. Fuck, always forget his name. George somebody, though. And he was... I love um, it. He'll appreciate the shout-out. <laughs> sure he will. I call him George because we're tight like that. I can use his first name. No, I don't know his surname because I don't know anybody's surname. Don't know a vast surname. I don't know My surname's really name. easy, though. Who knows? Prince. Uh, Prince Connor. That's his yeah. name, isn't it? He's yeah. a member of the and fucking royalty. Born with a yeah. silver spoon in his mouth. Never known hardship. Is Got an upside-down piece of million-dollar abstract wall on his... Uh, art on his wall. <laughs> first of all... 
I'm not quite sure if that's upside down anymore, actually. I don't know. I don't know if that's right. So if I, I actually don't know. You need so. servants to flip the paintings up correct way. I understand. <laughs> you got to straighten it, though. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit. All over the place. It's wonky. <laughs> wonky. Uh, either that or your webcam. I feel webcam's like that's wonky. a meme format. I think it's the webcam. Right I, I, got the you, webcam I got you. I got you. I got you. I think it's the webcam. Okay. Yeah, I, think it, I think it's probably, yeah, more likely the webcam. Uh, but there was. This report was talking about the situation surrounding tens, and I think it was um, I think it was a guy from Upcomer, but I could be wrong. Oh no, it was Daily Esports. Okay, yep, George Guedes. Okay, there we go. Um, and so this was a report that had just followed after Upcomer journalist Fion Tyler Osberger had reported that before the VCT stage two. Um, before Masters 1, I think, his, his buyout was reportedly around $2 million. And then there's, there's a paragraph here that says, his buyout could now sit at around $5 million, according to one source. Which, first of all, I want to talk about the phrasing there. If you have a journalist that specifically puts in a sentence, according to one source, that's making you, that's making you the reader aware of the fact that that information could be unreliable. Because the journalist is caveating it with, I only know this from one person, and he said, could now sit at around $5 million. Like, this isn't, this isn't like, it, the wording of it should lead you to believe that the journalist is not like printing their fucking seal of reputation on this. They're just saying, this is some information that I've had access to. I, I believe it's useful information to put out to the public, though I'm not like, I haven't got multiple corroborating reports of it. Um, yeah. And then Jack replied, actually, I think, saying that, um, I think it's been updated somewhere in the article. Yeah. Uh, Jack replied at some point he saying, that, yeah. yeah, he said that the, the numbers were ass or something. I, I can't remember the exact quote. He said, uh, but he said I that they repeat, were LMFAO. <laughs> yeah. Those numbers are bullshit or something. <laughs> yeah. So nobody really has any idea about the, the buyout prices, but it seems like Sentinels are not willing to pay the full buyout currently. Well, I mean, how, who, what? Very few orgs would be willing to pay that buyout in, like, any game. <laughs> like, that's a ridiculous buyout, and we're talking about Valorant, a game that's, like, a year old that still is developing. You know? this, this situation is weird to me, man. Because like all this, all, this entire thing about why Sentinels had to like, fu like fully buy, like there was like that that thing that Riot put out. Now Cloud9 is literally competing for qualifying for Challenger Finals in Reykjavik, and they're still able to like do this tug of war thing with Sentinels. It's just like feels yeah, like such is... a weird conflict of interest situation. It feels like Riot's ruling has been completely useless Ign in this situation. Yeah. I mean, if you can just get around it by being by being like, yeah, we'll lease him to you and we'll get him back. It's like Tens is a fucking boomerang that Jack's throwing around the scene. And it's like, he's not mine, he's not mine, he's not mine. And then as soon as he grabs him again, he's like, he's Cloud9 again. <laughs> and then you have to pay for him to release the boomerang again. And he's yours, he's yours, he's yours. And then it comes back and he's like, oh, no, he's back with Cloud9. That At no point there is he actually not on Cloud9. If part of his contract is that he must return to Cloud9, he is continuing to represent Cloud9 the whole time, surely. Yeah. I mean, maybe not from a legal standpoint, that might be a loophole, but the spirit of it I is mean, that yeah, he is he, a Cloud9 representative. He doesn't have the Twitter header on, but... that That's all that the law looks at, actually. But he's Twitter still, headers. <laughs> but uh, still, it's still... Uh, pro, but Your Honor, I changed my profile well, picture. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it's still... Uh, it's still Cloud9 are just, they're, they're just sitting around and they're just 
collecting a nice little check and collecting free publicity every yeah. single day. And he doesn't even need to play for them. He doesn't need to do no. anything. Scrooge McDuck in that way around. Situation. The, this statement made it cl very clear that Sentinels is thinking like end goal is Reykjavik and anything other than that is bust type of situation, right? Oh, yeah. That yeah. most orgs are probably thinking about. But um, is tens really required for Sentinels, right? And that's like the big question revolving around this is like, does Sentinels need to pay this much money for a player when they could potentially find another player that's really good and pay almost no money to very little money, right? Like, is tens absolutely required for Sentinels, no. especially when they have enough depth in their roster? Like, they could always put Shazam back on jet, you know? Like, they always yeah, yeah, have options to move yeah. around. Like, they, they're not required necessarily to absolutely have tens for that jet roll. So I know that there's some people moves. in the scene that would rather see them pick up a silver player as well. Like I know Mike that we talk to fairly frequently on uh, uh, on our own personal streams and stuff. Who was formerly, you know, he's trialing for a coaching position in a bunch of other teams. Has been very adamant on the fact that he believes Sentinels should pick up a silver player and not a duelist player, so that Shaz can go back to his original role. Um, I don't feel as strongly about it. I feel like both options are pretty open to them. But I will say that the most recent tournament showings from Sentinels were like this tournament from Sentinels was so poor and sloppy. And so if it ends up being like Masters 1 was a honeymoon period of them just running around and, you know, hitting their shots and using their fragging power to be able to dominate their opponents and they can't replicate that again, that would be such a sad situation. Um... But yeah. it, they will have figured that out by the time Challengers Finals finish. I, like there's, there's no yeah. world in which they still don't know whether or not to keep 10s by the time Challengers Finals is over. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think so long as they're performing well, I mean, this sounds maybe kind of stupid, but it's just for as long as they're performing well and so long as they want 10s, which it seems like they still do, both 10s, the players, and the org seem to all want 10s to end up on Sentinels. You will continue to be leased like a vehicle for them, and I, I think that they will just continue to, to try to keep them on the team at all costs. Um, but I think if they fail, they'll probably look elsewhere. Honestly, at this point, I'm, I think there, I mean, there are definitely some really good sovas in the scene that they could lean to. I mean, maybe just free EU from NRG. I, I mean, surely his buyout's lower than 10s, and EU's really good yeah. player that could fit it's, that role. But it, the, What is the likelihood, though, of Sentinels actually making it to Reykjavik at this point? It's it's got to be. I mean, it's got to be kind of low compared to where you would have them usually, because yes. it's a grueling journey to get there with one qualification opportunity. You've got to make top four during challenges two. You've got to, you know, there's a lot of elimination matches between now and Reykjavik for them, whereas they would have felt like slam dunk, a slam dunk team to qualify at uh, last I, Masters. I do think that they're, if they get out of opens their chances are higher. But I think the amount of single elimination things that they have to go through in opens are, are is like one of the roughest things. Yeah. Do we have Getting top four will probably be easier than that. Yeah, we do have the bracket. Wait, do can we? Can we pull the bracket up? I mean, it starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Lord almighty, I thought it started yeah. on like are, Thursday are or something. infinite games to... Wait. 
This guy needs help. This guy's tomorrow in the is Pokemon really fucking Tomorrow chamber. is the yeah, tomorrow. Are you okay? It's, no, I'm worried it's, about you with these Pokemon streams. I am streaming Pokemon help. since last week. He's Monday. not even doing the Pokemon streams. He's just so swamped in a million other things. Like It's okay. just an incredible amount of footage. I also feel like for Sentinel... Oh, they got an easy bracket. Dude, they're they good. They themselves into a corner, though, because like even let's say even theoretically they have him through the rest of this open qualifier. What happens after that? That like they find it's not feasible to have tens like to continue paying for tens even to lease them right like they don't make Reykjavik I think well, I, I, but, but I mean like then like yeah, that's the thing right like this is sort of a you got to shit or get off the pot type of situation because like the longer you wait and don't secure it the worse it is if it doesn't work out you know mm. you wait, think so I, I actually like the think it's almost higher or something or no what? it's more of just the fact that like they're probably currently I'm sure right now there's a bunch of bean counters and sentinels. They're counting beans left and right. Like how much, how many beans do we have to pay for tens, you know? And like, what, what is it going to work out? How many, how many interns we're going to have to cut, right? To pay for tens. Like how, like <laughs> what's, what, what, what sort of, what branches of our operation are going to have to go? What divisions are we going to lay off? Right? Because at the end of the day, they're, they're figuring out, is it feasible and is it necessary? And the longer they're deliberate on that, right? They're continuing to use tens, building this yeah. team, continuing to play with tens, right? And if it comes out later that they don't think it's going to be feasible or they don't think that's the best option, then all they've done is continue to use tens this whole time in well, an uncertain situation. And now it potentially could hurt them even worse. But later. I would say, I would say, Vaz, that it's better to qualify for Reykjavik with tens and then need a substitute last minute and kind of that's, flop a yeah, Reykjavik okay. yeah, than that, never get fair. there in the first place because you go out in one of the open qualifiers now with a brand I'm new I'm thinking player. more just like long, long term for like, sure. if this so, is their roster, they feel. I, I think the reporting kind of implied that you know, when the, when using this term leasing and stuff like that, that they are actually paying towards a potential buyout down the line as well. So it's not like they're throwing this money out the out the window. If oh, they so they've created the a mortgage. I, I, I don't know if that's... They're paying mortgage payments <laughs> where every month they have to pay towards the principal and eventually they will own that, 10 that, 30 years from now. That's how the word, like how I read the wording of the reporting makes it sound. But again, really? I completely yeah, misinterpreted I the, the riot thing too. So who, who knows actually? I didn't get that impression, but that would be very funny if that was the way that it was structured. That, that would be the first time in esports history you've set up a payment plan to, to get a player. <laughs> you put them, that, put them on credit. That does happen, though, in other aspects of esports. Like, when you pay franchise fees, those are paid yeah. almost like a mortgage, you know? They don't just yeah, go like, let me check in my pocket much, for 20 mil. Right? And they're also part of, like, much more interlocking agreements. Like, this would be a feel like a first for a player, though. I, as far as I can remember, yeah, yeah. But who knows? Yeah, well... Yeah, maybe we have to like actually ask. Uh, maybe I'll DM Fion or something like that and try to figure <laughs> out what the heck that was about. Yeah, Kurt, um, can you bring up the bracket got... again just for a second? Because it didn't. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't see it. Could you just scroll down slightly? I just wanted to see. I can't see the full thing. Okay, so the toughest team even to play is like this, United even or Spot because up. It's round at eight, that'll be qualifying. So it's even the second, the bracket down below them that matters too. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So right. Yeah. So they could play against Ghost. Okay, Ghost Noble. on the way. Noble are there. I think Noble's the hardest team there. I mean, that yeah. is a very easy bracket to be they honest. Should, yeah, I mean, they should qualify here. Yeah, I mean, if they don't, that's a gargantuan failure because we're not talking yeah. about any even like any I mean, team that's even on the radar for qualification. Yeah, Ghost we're not took even talking about MV. BBG really, are we? Like, no, I, I no. don't think I would rate Ghost as highly as I would rate BBG even. So. We're talking about that would have to... Oh, the, Ghosts the, have a sub, actually, too. Nismo can't play their best player, so never mind. They can't play. Yeah, they play They're not going to beat them. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, if, if Sentinels don't make it through Open, that is, uh, that's the largest upset that we've ever seen in 
in Valorant. It just is. Yeah. They're, yeah, I mean, they should absolutely Here, make it. Here's one thing that I think probably we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that all of this 10 stuff is happening hangs like a cloud over the players where they're not getting optimal practice. I mean, we already saw in the last open qualifier, Tens is going down to LA to be with Kai, what's her name, Kaide to sign with 100 Thieves. Like in that, that he was not sleeping and stuff like that. They were talking about how he was affecting. He played awful in those games um, against BBG and the games before that even uh, against Sonics. Like all of that stuff could still be ongoing where they're like, I don't actually know what's happening. Are we going to be playing with tens? Are we not going to be playing with tens? They're also thinking long-term, like how is this going to all work yeah. out? That, that could be a problem for them too. It could, it could. But again, I feel like that's the level of problem that it takes, you know, the average, the normal level of Sentinels is so high that even mm -hmm. if all of those factors are in place, you're still unlikely to get upset in a bracket like this. So it would, st yes. you know, it would still, it feels like it would take a miracle for Sentinels not to make it through the opens here. But boy, oh boy, would it be uh, we wild Do we want to look at the rest of the bracket really quick? Sure, yeah, let's take a quick look through the rest of and the bracket while we're here. can just kind of speculate about the... Because the, there should be some other big names matching up at some point in the, yeah. in the bracket, LG right? NRG is the next one. That's going to be in a round of eight. Luminot, okay. Okay, so we've got LG playing against yeah, NRG. NRG. Yeah, Cookie Koalas is in that as well, by the way. And yeah, like and Beast Coast is there bracket. too. Yeah. So, uh, but but it seems most likely that it would be LG NRG playing there. That's you know that's a decent game. I mean, who knows? Esic report coming out as well. True. If if that comes out but at the same time as these qualifiers like, are happening, next, next week or so is, is that anyone going to Reykjavik? No, this, oh, it's supposed well. to be today like as far as oh, i'm today? i'm pretty sure it's supposed to be today is like the two-week period that the guy is i mean they have we will we'll see we they're, will they're, do a special episode yeah. when it comes out yeah but yeah uh, let's uh let's continue down the bracket as well though that Faze seems like an interesting game. team basilisk again phase almost oh, okay. lost to team basilisk last time they played yeah. it was in the same open qualifier uh Maybe. and then that Isn't could it? end up being phase T1. T1 in the round of eight. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel like... Oh, T1. and the, you've got Renegades in this side of the bracket as well. Oh, oh and yeah. C9, CLG C Red and yeah, C9 White. Yeah, C9 White and CLG Red. Although I don't Ooh. think they're likely to match up against each other, right? Because uh, you would uh, favor no, Renegades, no. really. Well, it will be C9 red. White versus Renegades, potentially, if C9 yeah, White yeah, that's, able. that's a good game. Pretty likely. They've that's beat a, Renegades before. Yeah, that's a fun so. game. I don't think uh, we've actually we'll seen see what... legs versus Mel either, which is pretty cool. <laughs> mm. We'll see, uh, I guess, what happens as well with KD. Oh, Genji Complexity is within its own bracket for the round of, uh, round of 16. Round of you know, 16. that's a team. What the hell is Complexity? Is Complexity ever going to make any moves? They, they have been. They've have just, they? Yeah. I, click on one of the recent matches, Kurt. I just want to see who they're playing with right now. I, they've definitely been switching people around. Oh yeah, Jake. I mean, they've still yeah, they have oh, Jake Rule now. Yeah, they've they've been making moves. They've just they've never cracked the code. And the guy Jonah P on the team is who has some good He's stats really in this good. game. He, he when I'd watched him before, he looked really good. But yeah, complexity. They've kind of just dropped okay. off the map for the past few months. Two two things in these upcoming brackets. Oh, actually, this one, the Genji one. You see with complexity, okay? 
The next one is interesting though, because the round of eight, so it will oh. be Gen G or whoever coming Ooh. out of there, but TSM. TSM Sonics. Okay? So it could be Gen G, TSM to Qual, but it could also have TSM versus Sonics for round of 16. That's awesome. TSM Sonics yeah. would be a fantastic game because that really feels like it's a winnable match for Sonics that would put them on a lot of people's radar. Because uh, yes. TSM is still, yeah. you know, in the public i are a team that could just return to tier one at any point even though that doesn't seem likely now at any by any stretch of the imagination but if sonic's managed to get the win that's going to put people yeah people are going to be paying attention god tsm are on the tsm are probably so still screwed. going to have never qualified for a challenger main event uh because they, they did challengers three yeah sonic's and genji did they make one yeah, they did. They lost oh, they, oh yeah, they did make the challenge. Bracket. Yeah, they like snuck into challengers three. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, I guess that counted. <laughs> okay, sure. I mean that counts. It doesn't. Yeah, but <laughs> we were we were just taking a look at Cloud Nine White actually, and they've made a recent change. They've parted ways with Katie, and people were really really confused about this when it got announced on Twitter. I think mostly because the communication is very poor here. I mean, they I, didn't give a. They didn't say anything. They just said we parted ways. Goodbye, Katie. Like, yeah, that's it. That's all they said. Cloud Nine Classic. Yeah. Like, but the speculation that she was on a one-month contract. People were speculating that she was um, always just supposed to be a stand-in for for uh, for Jazzy. Jazzykins. I mean, some people were obviously speculating that she got dropped for some kind of behavioral thing because when organizations are this short with somebody, that can sometimes be the reason, though it doesn't appear to be the reason in this case. Um, but yeah, no, overall, just a really, a really like opaque move. Like, why don't you say something more about what the hell's going on Especially here? Especially since she's so good, you would think that like maybe like you'd want to try to do, even if you don't want to keep her on the team, maybe sell her to another team or I mean, something. Maybe you that's know? what's like, happening though. That could be what's happening as well. Yeah, and that might be. be why Cloud9 doesn't want to announce anything is because another org wants to announce that they've yeah. picked up Katie. But that might be true. I mean, the challenges begins tomorrow. Hello? Anyone? <laughs> you making the announcement <laughs> if that is the case? What's going on here? Yeah, it's odd. It does seem that the most likely outcome is she's just on another team now. Right. That's what and I thought. They, the, but they haven't announced She was just standing it. in for Jazzy for, for the month and because katie's good team? enough to play on a tier two mixed roster no problem I mean, right better, i think katie's better than tier two. Better than that yeah i agree I mean, so i'm assuming she's just gonna have another team. i mean there's a there's a lot of options but we just don't know we yeah. were given goodbye katie and that's that's all we got and it's very strange <laughs> If she was on a so one-month contract though and always intended to just be a replacement for jazzy why didn't they say that when they signed her like that that would just you know, if you if you well, sign they, someone and you're like, "Hey, we're signing Katie as our as our temporary replacement or or as well, part of a, a, a I six mean, person roster," like org, sometimes they like to keep their options open. So like, they'll sign someone to a one month and say to them, "Like, this is essentially a trial period, and we might sign you to a full contract later, or we might not." But like, I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't announce any of this like ahead of time. Because also, because if you announce it publicly, then it changes expectations, right? Because if you say Katie's on a one month contract right like a trial contract then like when katie leaves or like i thought katie was gonna get signed or maybe like when if if you know jazzy leaves they'd be like wow i can't believe they replaced her right so like i don't know maybe they're i don't know there's there's all sorts of reasons none of them really great reasons not to say anything honestly so yeah. 
weird though, right? I mean, yeah, it's just, just waiting for something to some additional information. I'm sure she'll end up on a really good team. Yeah, I mean, she's a great player. Um, the other interesting news came from a Twitch clip about Brax potentially getting benched for Hazed coming into the next qualifier. I mean, stop. He said, I'm not playing. Right, right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's... But I think there's yeah. still a lot of missing information there on what TSM's actually trying to do, right? Because some people were speculating that this is Brax getting pushed out of the roster, even though Hazed had said that they wanted a proper six-man roster where him and Brax alternated. What what the fuck is going on here? When, and doesn't do even matter. When do we stop like talking about TSM? Huh? Thank you. When when is this now a train wreck? Is my question. When are we starting to say this is a train wreck? Train Cause... wreck six man. That's what TSM stands for. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what it's for. Gosh, I mean, I'm tired of six man I... rosters. I'm tired of six man rosters. We've been saying it forever. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Don't yeah. like them. I was fine with that. Like when I, when I, Heretics played in the finals and they were like swapping it around and stuff, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." But like They're the only team that's done nobody's it. doing that, bro. Nobody. It's just, yeah. oh, we have a six man roster. Eh, this guy's playing this weekend. The other guy's just bench for the weekend. And eh, never mind, we're gonna change our mind, like because Viper patch or something. I, I, I think that's what like Hayes is teasing a little bit. He was like putting oh, snake, snake ladies on. Viper before. Hayes I mean, Viper was sort of not good they had by the way. Midland success, but they have yet to find any success at all with anything like i mean like it's like you could sort of see it happening it's like well you know like they had some success here but don't try this but like it's just bouncing back and forth between two bads without any consistency like they just haven't found a footing on with either roster and so i think the point where i'm like okay this is now a train wreck is the fact that all these guys are like joking about it they're talking about it on stream like they're making rumors happen like this stuff eats at a team like hardcore yeah. when it's very obvious that guys are not happy right that stuff starts to leak into the matches a hundred percent of the time so yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. this is another one of those situations where i'd love to know who who is the, the driving force behind some of these moves like getting brax specifically i mean they have a coach tailored right i assume that he has some input in what's happening sure. i mean it's, like it's how much been the active, players like a face in? in the past just not so much recently so i mean yeah we're I, I think this uh this is this is the last chance otherwise it's a wrap i think this is it yeah i i mean we, I, how long I, are, how how long are we going to prolong this just i mean i genuinely like i i thought i forgot that they made that other challenger qualifier because it was just completely inconsequential yeah it was they haven't I mean, done anything feels like the whole year it's this is it this yeah. is yep. we're we've been way below TSM standard for all of 2021. I mean, they haven't even been like a team with aspirations. It's not even like they've been looking like they could punch their ticket into the top level at any point. They haven't even shown glimmers of potential. They've just been bad all year long. Am I forgetting some period of time where TSM no. was good? I feel no, like they've just I, been bad. Not. I was personally excited about the double smokes when it came out, and then they just like dropped it, and it was actually just bad anyway. So yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's this is this is the last chance though. For yeah. Me. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. if they don't make it again, I mean, listen, I, I there, I don't think there's any. If they, I don't even know why I would even speculate about them making Iceland. Like, there's no fucking way, right? No, no, I mean, so there's, there's no, no way, way that's gonna happen. Is there? What I'm getting at is, is there an acceptable threshold for success 
where we feel this is no longer the last chance. Having no. a de- making it out of open qualifiers and having like a decent showing potentially. But a decent like, showing that's a low, decent, bro. A decent showing in this challenges would be to make it to challenges finals. Yeah, and I then guess that's true. At that point, you're in top eight, and I think that with this roster, in order to make up for all the crap that's happened in 2021, you'd have to make it like third place top three. or yeah, something. Top three. Like, it, uh, and at that point, that you, we're just talking about a miracle occurring. And, and uh, at that point, I wouldn't even have faith that they could continue in the future because I would just put it down to like so, the Viper patch. So we should just I would, say... If, if they had that kind of extraordinary outlier, <laughs> I would dismiss it anyway. <laughs> so they're checkmated. Yeah. There's nothing they can do to convince me anymore. So it's just over now. For, for me, I think it has been... The writing's been on the wall for a little while and I think yeah. the team recognizes that and I think that's why the team is like joking about it. I think it's, it's the stages of grief... They've passed through the anger and the fighting against it. And now it's just comical how poorly they're doing. And there need to be changes now in order to regain the focus. You're a team that won half of the Ignition series, goddammit. You need to be trying to aspire to get into champions. And that means making changes immediately so that you're in a good position to either gain a shit ton of points from Masters 3 and win it so that you book your ticket in or qualify in the last chance qualifier. Going to be happening in like October time because otherwise you're fucked. I mean, yeah, that we were talking about. We're talking about Iceland a lot, but also, yeah, just gaining points yeah. to just actually make champions. It's make a break. By the way, is the last chance qualifier like completely open, or is it like based on points? They haven't okay. released any info, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, so, I but I mean, Masters three is going to be completely open, and if you win Masters three, you go straight to champions. So, oh, okay. That's always an option, I guess. <laughs> just yeah, win just a win global Masters. tournament. Just yeah. win Masters. Just win the mini world championship right before the world championship. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah, no problem, right? No problem. Yeah. Wild wild situation, though. All right, what the heck is next? Who else has been doing dumb shit? Don't know, because my phone died. What's the next topic? Oh, uh, well, technically, the next one... I have Lower a list third here, Josh. Uh, the next one is... Uh, you know, the, the gaming Pulitzer has been awarded, <laughs> supposedly. Fraud, ethics, conspiracy has been... The, the, the twisted threads that we weave have yeah. been unwoven. And we've learned that uh, oh. apparently it's all related to the... Uh, what's that guy? What was his name? Stunner? Stunner. Yep. Stunner was the new head coach picked up. And then it came out that this guy did a whole lot of cheating. This guy did a whole lot of cheating before. Yeah. And, uh, and then Fraud was apparently not consulted about any of these moves. And that's when, like, apparently a big part of their disagreement was. And, his, and it's, his yeah, name. it seems like they, they, whoever was attempting to bring him in with T1, they were happy to ignore the cheating past and that there was some potential alleged element of nepotism at play. People. They did, the, they did the Twitter deep dive. They searched through the ads. They searched through the tweets. And evidently, the, the T1, whoever it is uh, that does the T1 recruiting or management of this team, it was just previously it's established in some way that he's friends with Stunner. And oh, there's the fraud post right below it. Yep. Can confirm when org slash management forced me to trial interview him a long time ago. Neither he nor T1 told me about his past. Why was that detail kept from me? So you were and fully aware of it, yet didn't disclose it to me or the team at the time? Well, that's, uh, that's 
There it is. It's finally, it's finally happened. The code has finally been cracked. I think there's like a hundred more fraud tweets about this, by the way. He just went in. He really? Just, he just let it I all only go. Saw that he one. let it rip. The tweet, no, he tweet was and replies is the best. Yeah, he was replying to everyone. Oh, right. You'll have to Every go to the question. top and click tweets and replies then. Yeah, he, he was just, uh, back to, if you go to fraud's, go, go to page. fraud's page and then scroll down slightly, tweets and replies. Yeah. All right. Here's I mean, the he juice. Was, the juice has got to be in here somewhere. Where the heck is this? One more, one more, one more, one more. Here it comes, here it comes. Yep. <laughs> Boom. Okie dokie. Well, okay. Oh. Well, no, oh, I didn't see this one. one. <laughs> now the, the spice is coming. And they say they're transparent about it, but he's been hovering around T1, kissing Wawa's ass for nine plus months now. So don't buy the were and always aware bullshit from the shrink. Wow. <laughs> from the I shrink? Mean, that is Okay. He's that's right. I didn't see that one. I mean, that's wow. like... Oh, my God. That's like some real beef kind of language as well. Like, <laughs> the fucking shrink. the shrink called, is such a... He called David Diddy the shrink. Like, I know that we were joking about him being an AI, but that is like... That's fucking ridiculous. That's fucking going hard, isn't I mean, it? That's, I know that that's... that's very... That's going extremely this hard. Is, like, this is when you're publicly shit-talking your previous employer, you know? Yeah. That's a... Uh, I mean, or, or like your your replacement, I guess, right? Because yeah. that's what. Well, it's not even. Yeah, I guess technically, yeah, his replacement. Yeah. But that is, yeah, that's wild. Okay, what the hell though is? So my my question as well is, what's the timeline here? They're talking about um, they're talking about this happening last August. Last August. August. Yeah. So you're telling me that this guy's been working with T1 since August, and they're happy with the improvements that T1's been making. I don't think Wait, he's been working. With them. Been I working? think I think fraud fraud was interviewing him for like maybe like an assistant coach position or something like right. that, um, or an analyst role or something like that. And fraud didn't want him. Right. But have they been work? Have they been like trialing him since then or something? How has he been? How has he been interviewed in August and he's here now? What was happening in the interim? Because my my thought process is that T one have not been successful. It, even if you. The only time at which I've seen people take the PR hit of picking up people who have, who have such a, a poor history within esports is if they are producing like big results or they have some kind of public turnaround with their, their image. This doesn't seem like that's been the case, right? No. I, don't I don't know. I don't know like this what's well like. This. Honestly, it, this is all weird. these teams are grinding so hard to have this moment where they qualify for Iceland, and and, and because of that, everybody's just going. It's just everybody's eating each other. But, but I mean, is this T one's like? Is this their grand play? T one's falling apart. Like what's like, happening? I, I right don't now? see this as a grand play, right? From T one, it's like guys. We're gonna have to bring him in, and then everyone on the board's like, "No, not him. And he's not him. He's too. He's too wild. It's like it's the only way we make it." And then they bring in Stunner. Everyone hates it, and they're not even winning. So I'm like, "Like, what's the you know, what's the end goal?" Exactly, yeah, where's the where's right? the positive there? I suppose. But I, I want to kind of address there's, the there's overall. Lot, like, there's a lot more. Oh, you guys want to look at it? Absolutely, yeah, sure. Kurt, absolutely, up, Kurt. <laughs> Show it to us. Let's see what else. This thread is a little so bit longer. You guys are. Sorry. This is this thread's a little bit longer from the uh, same reply yeah. here. So transparent and honest, they kept that detail from me while forcing me to try to recruit him to by the clown time. crew. So, wow! <laughs> some Comcast damage control by the clown crew. Jesus Christ! Uh, Wait, look at this one. He was brought on because he's a yes man stroking Joe and Wawa's ego. That is one hundred percent. Who's Joe? Uh, 
the I CEO don't know. of that Joe's the CEO. Oh. Yeah. Right, right, Who's right. Wawa. Wawa is Wawa the, the guy that does all the hiring. Shop. <laughs> He's the, the whole... GM of the team. I think he used to be involved in T1 on the Overwatch side, didn't he? I feel like he's I'm involved in a lot of their esports. Uh, maybe. I, maybe I not. Remember that guy. This was around August slash September. I've been kissing ass since before then, and apparently transparent about his past. Yet that was never mentioned or known so, until now. Yeah, I, so I know like, Wawa. He's definitely like involved in a lot of their different. different has this been countries. confirmed then? Nice essentially, really like the the threads here that like. Wait, wait, wait. This is an important one. I think in the oh. forced trial, I was forced to continue to try to work with him when he couldn't even book a scrim properly. Strat help was Twitch clips of matches I already watched. Insane innovation. Guy was a brick, <laughs> but he told Wawa he's smart twenty four seven. So naturally, he got a job. Uh, okay. I'm trying to figure out exactly. So let's let's finally. So the final conclusion of the gaming pulitzer here is that. So this is implied that fraud at this point. Are we? It's pretty much been said that fraud left because of the. Oh, he got. Because of this, of the stunner situation. No, no, no. This oh. is implying that fraud didn't even know he was Lee. a cheater. He's he's implying that fraud fraud didn't want to hire this guy, so he got let go. Because he didn't want to hire yeah, him. Fraud is saying he didn't want to hire him because he was a shit coach. Yeah. And not then, because but he was this a is cheater. unrelated to the fact. So he didn't even want to hire him, not because he was a cheater, because he didn't even know. He just yeah. didn't like him. And then they fired him to replace him with this new staff, essentially. Seems like it, right? That's Seems what this like is. It. Now, he, I mean, what, Richard you, Lewis is already soaking up the juice, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Look at him like a sponge. <laughs> wait, can you go to uh, the previous, or there was one up there. The, yeah, wait. They don't even tell, so they don't even tell most of the players about it, and they don't even make an announcement. I mean, we even did a guide with Mobilytics. What? Never once has anyone at T1 contacted any of the players who made the guide about how to collect. Okay. Don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. That, I, I mean, I'm that sure sounds that makes like some shit where, like, an org sets up an event, and, you know, it just, it's a shit show. So that's yeah, classic sure. org stuff. Sure. So that's just I, classic org stuff. This feels like, as well, though, that I, I feel like there is a world in which they just weren't happy with what fraud was doing. Fraud was doing, yeah. And so th th this entire perspective from fraud, if fraud is bad at recognizing talent within Valorant, immediately it makes sense from T1's point of view. Like if Stunner is actually a genius, but fraud just couldn't see it and he didn't want someone like, he didn't, didn't enjoy working with him for whatever reason. And so they were like, well, you're being difficult. We can tell that he's talented. Let's put him in. Like there is a world in which it makes sense yep. from T1's point of view, but it just comes down to whether or not you you feel like fraud should have been given the authority to make those decisions, or whether the staff should have. And then also, and then also, there's the whole ethics about him being a cheater on to on top of that. Like and separately. also, just having a I, I mentioned this uh, when you, you stepped away, but there were people bringing up like tweets of him already being in contact, like basically presenting that it seemed like he had a prior relationship with right. T1 before Valorant even came out, I believe, that he right, was right. in contact with, with some of the people in some way that they were... But I mean, to be fair, that's just how, like, jobs, like, particularly orgs, yeah. work. It's like, so, more often than not, you get the job because you are, you know, they know you from doing something somewhere and, like, you're able to just, like, establish that connection, you know? That's just sort of how it works. Yeah, yeah it seems so like much. it was... There's so much in Valorant and CS in terms of like coaching and talented people and just in general. Like this is this is not something that's you're just pulling people who you know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it also 
I mean, it seems like uh, it seems like he came down to a large disagreement about how much authority he was actually supposed to have within the team. Fraud, yeah. And like how much of the project was his to run. And my my thing is, no matter like which perspective, like the fact that this happened over eight months or or whatever this is the the second half of the the 2020 year, the fact that it's happening that entire time means that your players are probably hearing about this from their coach, like how he's kind of getting like messed around and like they're they're like, who's this this other guy, the stunner guy, and blah 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 blah. Like this could be an answer to why T1 has been so bad the entire time. Remember, I, like, I'm talking about like Sentinels having this cloud looming. Like this is something that's really messing with you, no yeah. matter what, because this has this has implications on personnel, people who are getting cut. This has implications on your actual strats in the game that you know your coaches are bringing to the table. Like this is everywhere. This is deep. But also, when you look at how the players, I know this might be the wrong way to think about it because it was a video made by T1, so of course they're not going to make themselves look bad. But they had a video recently where they were talking about David Denis as their head coach and how mm -hmm. Scar and Automatic, now, was it those two actually? Yeah. yeah, Had worked with him in the past as, they had worked with Probably him in right. the past as a um, like, like men, mental coach, like a performance coach, right? And uh, And they were talking about how he had kind of come in to be in the head coach role and they had pre-existing relationship with him and that kind of stuff. So it, my outside perspective is that it doesn't really seem like the players were were like back in fraud and distraught that he was gone and stuff. It kind of seems like they're on board with the direction that T1's going. At least some of the players. Yeah, or at least some of yeah. them. Because we don't really I still don't where. understand how this connects to the fraud ethics because so when he announced he had left and he said it was over ethics, he didn't even know at the time that Stunner was a cheater when he made this announcement. I don't think so. I but think he so might have, what were the ethic difference? I think what it was, was he mad about? I think he was mad about being forced to pick somebody up that he knew was awful because of what he perceived to be nepotism. Like, it's just pure cronyism from his mm. point of view. If, you if he believes that Stunner is shit at his job, then he's just being forced to pick up an assistant coach via cronyism that he doesn't want to pick up. And his authority is being completely removed. And he's basically, at that point, you're just a, a puppet to the to the org above you, I think is his point of view, probably. I mean, personally though, when I when I look back, when you make a, a public statement like that, like ethics, like it's a very harsh statement, right? And it's not that cronyism or nepotism isn't bad, right? But I feel like if you're gonna make a statement saying I've left because of ethical differences, that's a really huge indictment of your previous employer, you know? And some potential nepotism there, even if it's like, you know, obviously like maybe it's a really bad case of it, doesn't necessarily, I feel like, warrant the like a level of like uh, nuke he went on Twitter. Right? It's like, also Prada is this type of guy though to, to, to try like not to, to just have very, very uh, structured principles. Like I've seen him pop off on like ESL in the past for for like their league decisions and stuff like that in, in ESCA. And just in general, like, yeah, this is the type of he, he he's very headstrong in terms of like what. Because if he had known Stunner was a not. cheater, I would understand it, right? Because it's not just the getting forced to pick up, but also getting forced to pick up someone that was like a known cheater that ruined competitive integrity. Might, I can totally have, understand it. Then he might not have known when he trialed him in August, 
But he yeah. might have known when he got let go at Christmas. Oh, that's probably true. So yeah, when but he, he said, tweeted about it. But he was talking about it. in April, though. He said, like, from the sound of his tweets, it sounded like this was all revealed to him in April. Along no, with no, the no. Rest no, of no the April he's talking about is right now. Right? Oh, okay. Okay. Because it, it is April currently. Yeah, he, yeah. That's what I'm saying is that he learned with the rest of us. God, we this learned is a in whole April. year thing? I don't know. I was like, oh, he, he, trialed him in, he trialed him in August. He was forced to trial him in August. He got let go in Christmas. He tweeted around Christmas time. He, the world finds out in April. I'm not sure at what point fraud found out that this guy was had a cheating past. I f- it feels like his tweets like he was ready for this announcement, you know? Oh, okay, so I feel like yeah. he might have known about it as he got released. But also, why then? Dude, I don't understand it. Like, why the fuck did it take him from August to Christmas to end up getting released? And why was this still the primary issue that- at the time? I. I feel like the fraud, the gaming Pulitzer has not been solved. I feel like there's still unanswered <laughs> questions. It's been teased. It I seems mean, like Richard Lewis is determined to get your gaming Pulitzer, though. He's already <laughs> yeah. slipped into the DMs. Yeah, I, yeah because I think there's still, in my mind, there are a lot of questions remaining in regards to the, the timeline, how this, in, in, in what way did this impact AZK and Brax no longer being on the team because sure. we don't yeah, really know yeah, what yeah. happened there. All we know is that Brax is the best player in the world, but they let him go. <laughs> so we don't actually know what happened. That's what they said in the yeah. video that they yeah. released him in. Yeah. yeah. So we don't actually know what happened there. Uh, in, in what way did any of this potentially have impact or in, in another set of circumstances, the, the coaching role have any impact there? I don't know. God, that's so funny. So there's, there's a lot of information in regards to all of that. Um, I still even have questions about uh, exactly what was going on with them leaning into sp- uh, getting Spider. And even, but f- f- looking now at this year and just the absolute, I mean, you, they're in the same boat as TSM. These are the two, they're, they're, they're in a similar situation. This, this yep. team is a mess. Um, and, and there are a lot of questions as to what's going on behind it because as far as it seems, um, uh, their best run. I'm not putting. I'm not saying that this is due to fraud exclusively, but their best run was uh, like around first strike time. That was their best performing time when Scoodoodle was on jet. Sure, yeah, yeah. That was when they were at their best, and everything. Unless you want to talk about beta, but before then, like late ignition series and everything past it has just been quite a, quite the mess. Yeah. So what's going on now? What are they trying to do to solve it? Is Stunner going to... How long has Stunner been working with the team now? Exactly. How has long he been has working been with for? them for 2021? Because if so... Probably, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of worrying. I well, I mean, if Fraud was officially gone in December, I mean, he literally had to have been working, like, surely, right? I guess. Probably. Probably. So many Dude, details. I, I was so confused when you guys brought this this topic up, and I'm like, it reaches its climax. Conspiracy. What the hell are you guys what? talking oh, about? Yeah, and, just... and I'm just now noticing, by the way, the disrespect thrown on Fraud's name there, the, the wacky spelling you got there, Kurt. No, that's, this guy's that's a legend, by the way. That's how he spells legend. it, dude. That's how no, he spells no, it. Come on, it's with the it's the R's capitalized, the D's capitalized. This guy's a legend. Trust me. I, I I've that's watched what we this did. every single demo. Mm, beautiful, wasn't it? Come on, I can't remember. I thought it was. <laughs> I, I, I had it Wait, correct, gonna... but then I clicked it again and it fixed itself the wrong way. Oh, oh, no, 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 it was correct for most it. of the. Uh... But, but yeah, I was so confused, and now it all makes sense. Like you guys have been following this for a long time. It doesn't make any more sense. I'm I'm just as lost as I was before. 
Yeah, no, Paul, you don't understand. But, but, um, but this 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 story has been, been tracking since like episode this six. One. We are like bloodhounds. We, yeah, far before you joining the show. I'm caught up. Just, has anything I'm else happened this I know this who week? David Denis is now. I know like all this crap. <laughs> all makes sense. Um, I, I have one more question before we move on, though. <laughs> one more question. One more question. Uh huh. If someone's cheated and they go into a staff position, mm-hmm. surely that's not as bad as someone with a cheating pass going into a player position. Sure. I would say it seems to me, we've seen in the past cheaters who no longer cheat and the community accepts them and ex- other players accept them, <laughs> etc. This doesn't seem like one of those situations. Okay, all right, Kurt's giving me a hint. Looks like the PUBG what? guys are not very thrilled about this. No, not particularly so. thrilled. Right, what is the next topic, Kurt? I don't have my don't have my list, so I can't move people on. I've just got to uh, go by I the lower yeah, third god. Yeah, yeah, Avast is the new host. Avast. Yes, I mean, the next topic. So with that a thrilling conclusion, we're talking about nothing. Another thrilling conclusion. FBX. Already. FBX has, uh, has one... The challengers won, and you know they mm. beat Guild in the grand finals. And uh, I know at that moment Josh coomed. Uh, <laughs> I know at that particular moment I heard it. In fact, it was heard around the world. Uh-huh. So uh, the uh, Josh was sitting the there watching the NA games, and I heard just a, a ah just across. So <laughs> yes, FBX Guild, huh? Some some crazy stuff. There you go. That's the first. Nobody's gonna say it. That's the first. Uh, the yeah, momentum the momentum was building. building. The momentum I mean, was definitely building. Listen, the momentum built and built, and here we go. I don't even. Hey, I don't even know whether. No, I don't, no. Let's be fair. This does count as a major title within within Europe. It had all of the best teams in it. They had a big qualification process. It's a like fifty k dollar fifty fifty dollar tournament, fifty thousand dollar tournament, something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, this is the first major title that FPX have ever gotten. And yeah. they feel like a team that's been perennially at the top. I mean, they've been top two for forever, it feels like. Uh, and they've finally won. Um, they, they defeated some decent teams on their way here, but they didn't actually... I mean, it, it was a very different feel from Masters. You had Ascend going out in the quarterfinals. You had Heretics going out even before that as well. Or not, not before that, sorry, but also going out in the quarterfinals. Um, so this, this was the best bracket that you could have asked for if you're FPX. I mean, the, yeah. the team that pushed them the hardest was Opportunists, semifinals. Yeah, I'll, I've, been, I've been waiting for the day for FPX to win a tournament. This one didn't bring me the satisfaction I so desired. This, I'll say, I'll say this. I, I think that they still need to win Challengers finals to feel like they are solidly yeah. the best team in Europe. Um, but I mean, even if they make top two in challengers finals, I think that's still a great result for them because at this point it's all just about qualifying for Reykjavik, right? Mm-hmm. That's what everybody really cares about. Um, but like I said earlier on, FPX was so, they are so focused right now talking yeah. to their, their coach. I've been talking to doom bros a little bit and some of their other staff and stuff. They are laser focused on their goal that is before them, which is getting through this grueling European format. There's no double elimination. So if you slip up, you're out. There's also no... Um, there's not even like eight spots in Challengers final the same way that North America has for the EU teams. It's only four teams that make it out of the whole of Europe into Challengers finals, and then two of those at max are going to make it to Reykjavik, depending on whether they can get past the Turkish and the CIS teams. So that shit is... That is punishing punishing 
it's even worse that like like I said before, if you if you make playoffs, you don't get to do what NA does. Where where for example, like who's the team that didn't make it? Like BBG, for example, got knocked out in the first two games. They get to play in in the qualifier or in the main event next weekend. Like they get oh, to do know. that. Meanwhile, the guys NIP had to replay through the qualifier. Everybody else who didn't make it top two had to replay through an open bracket. So it's even more punishing. Yeah, it's kind of wild. But I want to talk a bit about FPX and what they've been doing here as well, because they're the first team that I've seen in the whole of Valorant, actually, um, who've started integrating two or more different comps that they can run on a map and just choose between them. Um, they've, they've got this kind of look for their ascent where they've been, uh, where they've been moving Angel over to the Rainer. And they've also been playing Angel on Phoenix a little bit, who was previously their, their Omen player, their Smoker. And uh, it looks like a totally different look for their team. And at any point, I feel like they could just go back to playing the uh, Zero Duelist comp, which is what they were previously playing on, on this map, and just throw a whole different look at you. They've been doing the same stuff on some of their other maps too, where they can just throw two utterly different looks. Like they had Shadow playing Sky and Shadow playing Breach on their split, and now they've been running, um, they've been running Angel on Astra alongside. They've had Angel on too. Viper on Icebox. Yeah, Angel's yeah. been playing literally everything. He's just picking whatever character comes to mind. He is, and he looks like a freak as well. I I keep having to repeat it, but this guy's aim is bonkers. It's so mm -hmm. much better than it was in CS. I went back and I looked at some of his, his, um, his games in CS because I didn't follow him religiously in that game. But I had heard a lot of people talk about how you know, his aim wasn't that good in CS. Maybe the rest of Europe just can't aim as well as the CS aimers were, and that's why Angel's doing so well. There's a big difference. Something about the way that Valorant works just gelled with this guy. I don't know whether it's like the difference in mechanics or stopping speed or whatever, but some small difference there. Or maybe it's just the added motivation. It's just motivation. This guy yeah. fucks. I think it's the motivation, the rejuvenation, sipping from the fountain of youth and having the ability to... He, he was just... Where he left off in CS, which was in constant roster hell, just mm. never able to solidify something for, for the longest time with Hellraisers and kind of always just being on the on the cusp of, of the top level, being able to switch over. I think it's just being able to switch over to a new game and having a fresh start. I think that's just the Stability motivation being at the for top, a lot of these that, guys. That should push you, push you, push you. Yeah, for sure. Compare that to like the NA teams who are in complete turmoil, even yeah. though they have a fresh start. Yeah, that's not, not the motivation. It's crazy. The other thing too is he unlocked, they unlocked Zippon. Dude, this guy is insane. This guy is so unbelievable. Like every map he's dominating, and then Icebox in the guild, the guild Dude, final. Unreal. What is that, bro? He broke records. He shut down Yasin every single round. It felt like, and Yasin is potentially the best or one of the best entryers in the world. Like, and he shut him down so many times. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's also interesting as well because Zipan has pretty much just been playing. I mean, for the majority of his career, it was just a raise, raise one trick. As soon as mm -hmm. he moved over to playing Duelist in early beta, he just played raise, and that was his job. I mean, that's not a great clip there. That's a <laughs> fucking whiff on the first guy that came in. Still won the round, bro. Still won the round. But he, he just started recently for the last Masters picking up the Sage and playing that a little bit when, in, when they were playing no Duelist comps on Haven and on Ascent. Yeah. And now he started the, the, the map that we're talking about here where he dropped... 
523 ACS, the highest I've ever seen. I don't believe that there's ever been higher in a pro match. I think he broke Not the record. Not in the main events, yeah. He played Rainer and he just shit on everyone. He was just like, oh yeah, good. duelists are actually kind of fun. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty good. It just yeah. seems like everyone in all the roles on the team are clicking right now though. Like, yeah. Like I think Shadow has had an excellent 2021 overall. Has, I've been yeah. really impressed with Shadow. I, he was actually one of the players that I was... I was a little bit worried about where he would fit into the team late last year. If Breach moved um, out of the meta or something? Yeah, what was going to happen with Breach, some of the op changes. There, there are just a few things that led me to, to, to thinking like, okay, well, I wonder what his place will be on the team. But he's been, um, he's been amazing all he year. Has, yeah. He's been incredible. And also, there, FBX are just, there's some realm that Dimisic exists in where he is both an excellent lurker and incredible at finding timings, but also the team just sets him up so well mm. to, to be able to uh, find mid-round impact hills just on yeah. the lurk. He is, I mean, it yeah. feels like everyone in their roles at the moment, it's just perfect. Yeah. Previously, I thought, I, I've thought for a while actually that the one role that North America was quite significantly ahead of Europe in was Cypher, specifically with, with people like Dapper, but then there was like a range of good Cypher players that were um, were underneath that within the North American region. And I think that it's only recently that Europe has gotten to that level where you're seeing the level of value that somebody like Dapper brings to a team getting replicated by people like Dimasic and like Safe as well, where they are just providing enormous value to the rest of their team. They're so active. They are... Um, pushing for information and not just uh, turtling and playing off their own utility. They're being able to crack open sites for, for their team on offense, on defense. They're so solid. And uh, playing the information game perfectly as well. People like Pora deserve to be put up in that mention too. It's mm -hmm. It's been a massive shift recently and it was something that we had had questions about FPX for because we didn't really realize yeah. at the time that that was an area that they could grow in when they had Meadow on this roster, but Demisic has changed the way that these guys play for the positive so much. I think it's just disgusting for this roster in particular because they they just they're on another level when it comes to the utility usage. Like Europe in general is really, really good and I think like kind of leagues ahead of most re like every region just about in terms of like how they set up their team and how they use utility and how they do that to like pressure different areas of the map. You know, let's take a, let's take a mid control after we pressure the extremities, right? Let's do like all these different things that they're able to vary up. But FPX just does it with so many different compositions and so consistently because like sometimes you have teams with great utility, just like one match will just play and they just forget. They just kind of forget that oh yeah, we need to like pressure for orbs, we need to break walls, you know, like. But FPX just does it consistently every single time, and I think that's like the real big thing for this team and why they're so exciting to me. It's not just because they're dynamic, but the, 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 you know, bringing back Wyatt's fountain of youth, but sort of even greater than that, the philosopher's stone of esports <laughs> is uh, a yet another, like some sort of, I don't even know what that goes under. It's not cryptozoology. It's whatever the hell it is, but like, it, uh, whatever fantasy science that might be, but like, it's <laughs> alchemy. It's alchemy. That's what it is. It's alchemy. Okay. Thank uh, you. Yeah, okay, that's what it is. Right. Uh, but <laughs> consistency is the most in my opinion the thing that every team chases at the top level and it's like the one thing that is going to make a team great not just good but great is consistency 
And so far, FPX is the only team recently to demonstrate insane consistency at the level of their play. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, FPX also have had some like thoughts about whether or not they're going to choke in big moments and that kind of stuff. But I think there is something to be said about the fact that they consistently make it deep in tournaments over and over again and always look like they have an opportunity to win. But if we're going to yeah. talk about consistency, I think we should talk about Heretics too. Because that is a team who won first strike, almost won Masters 1, and they're already eliminated from Masters 2, from Reykjavik, entirely. I mean, we're talking about... NA hasn't even begun Challengers 2 yet, and Heretics are already out. That's madness. Absolute madness. And it comes off the back of them losing to Opportunists. And, and it was then... a good game, too. It wasn't even a bad game. It was like... Oh, no, the opportunists was... just look good. They, just they did really look good. very good. Uh, can we take a look at the um, the the matches though? If you just um, click on the the um, sorry, no, I mean the maps. My my bad. So if you look at their their split, I'm not exactly sure why Heretics keep opting into split now that Nisao's not with the team because I think Nisao's Reina was a huge part of why they were so good on that map. The information plays that he would go for was pretty yeah. crucial for them. And I don't think they've quite integrated Rubino, but they still get the win here. And opportunists are a good split team. So that's that's not too bad. Haven, this is the first time the Team Heretics have ever lost on Haven. They had the longest map winning streak of any team in the entirety of Valorant. They were 30-0 and zero on Haven. That's longer than Vision Strikers on split. We're talking insane consistency at the Tier 1 level on this map. And they lost it for the first time ever here. And it just felt like they couldn't get... They couldn't get going. They were really struggling to deal with um, their, their, like, attacking sides couldn't get off the ground, and they just kept getting caught by the Phoenix Jet play that was coming out from opportunists, which is a very weird thing to say, because normally Team Heretics have this excellent default that's so good at catching aggression, and this game, they just kind of flopped it. They weren't able to get off the ground particularly. Also helps that opportunists won both the pistols, but... Uh, it didn't didn't feel like a normal performance from Heretics at all. It felt um, like it lacked uh, confidence a lot of the time. Like they weren't going for the same kind of I was, aggressive map control plays. We watched like the tail end of the Ascent game, and that was like immediately the thing that we were saying. It's like they just aren't taking control. They're not. They're not playing with confidence. You don't see like anything from Nuki. Lowell's also playing. We were like Lowell's playing Phoenix instead of Sage on yeah. the on the map. Yeah, that that was the story of the series the entire way around, and yeah, I I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I mean, this this Lowell Phoenix is very weird, right? That's incredibly that is the odd. Strangest part of this, I mean, yeah. especially on Ascent. Yeah, you're gonna play Raise Phoenix on Ascent. I, it's very weird. But also, right? just I think we were talking about this a little bit last week. Maybe. Just his sage is so crucial to how they play defense. I I feel, and their defense is always. Uh, it's stellar on the map mm. and and so much of it to me comes down to the way he's able to control the extremities on sage he's going to proactively take them and hold them using the utility very well yeah, yeah. um uh, and it felt like i think this this might be like a little bit of a the same thing that i was saying with like phase on how they fell flat and because of that they felt feel the need to reinvent themselves i feel like with heretics is even further taken because they don't have nisa anymore it's just like they have to they have to have some value out of Rubino on the maps that 
that Nisa was playing or the maps that uh, Paul yeah, wasn't playing or whatnot. But the weird, weirdest part about that narrative, which I think does definitely make sense, is that they mm -hmm. lost on the maps where Nisa doesn't even normally play. Yes. They lost on mm -hmm. Haven, which they never lo lose on. And then they lost on Ascent, which it's not been the greatest map in their pool, but it certainly hasn't been the worst either. It looks like mm -hmm. a super solid map for them usually. And yeah, this, this idea of them trying to reinvent themselves after Masters didn't really end up working out. And I, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but the, the, they got punished incredibly hard for this because they lose to opportunists who are probably like the fourth best team. No, maybe maybe fifth we, best team. We had them at fourth when we did our ranking. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fourth or fifth best team in EU. And then they, they also lose to G2. And I think it bears talking about the G2 game as well. Because G2 have just picked up a new analyst. Um, Rojo, I think his name is. Yeah, Lucas, Lucas Rojo. Rojo. Spanish guy. Yeah. He's um, already been having a lot of beef with people on Twitter. But yeah, he has. <laughs> yeah, for unknown reasons. That is funny. Uh, but they've also been playing with Aussie as a stand-in, as an IGL. And my God, do they look better. That G2 Heretics game, they actually look like a... Like a rejuvenated G2. Well, they've one change, one one direction they've gone in that I'm happy to Don't see. Don't you love this Astro Wall? Uh, <laughs> it is ridiculous. Dude, I mean, fuck there it that Astro Wall. But that's the thing. Flashing through it and running but that's, through it. That's a good Astro Wall. That's them using it no. on the defense as a good wall for them to just flash through. But it just simplifies the entire round. I fucking. Ugh. Doesn't there was, matter. There was Let two me... there. I don't even think you even realized there was two. There was sandwich in between. There was the good offensive one and the good defensive God, one. God, fucking hate it. Um, I was gonna, go on, continue, sorry, please. Why? Sorry, <laughs> I was gonna say. Oh. No, I was just gonna say one change that I'm very happy to see is uh, Patty Tech on on the original role from back in the day, mm -hmm. back playing the duelist. He he was just looking excellent. He was providing immense impact from that role. He won the mice box. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he just, just won just, the mice box. He was just slamming. He was but a freak. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that change. That was something that I, I was hoping to see at some point, if not just for the sake of experimentation, because that team is filled with players who can play a variety of roles. And he was nasty when he was playing Duelist before. Um, so I think that this is a pretty, a pretty nice change. I, I like that. I don't understand how the map pool got to this place, though. Because, again... Think about where heretics are at. Nisau is gone, and they have to reinvent themselves on Split and Icebox. Those are the two maps that Nisau played. And yeah, they lost on Ascent and Haven to Opportunist, but why would you want to go to Split and Icebox preferentially? They banned Bind because G2 have historically been good on Bind, but they're not even that great on it at the moment. And then Haven gets removed from the map pool, and now you have got to win without Nisau's Reiner, or, you know, he was playing Razor on Icebox most recently too. But you have to win without his duelist on those two maps. And they just couldn't get across the finish line. They didn't have the, the punch power to be able to get past them on Icebox. It they was still a mega close game with Padatek right? playing out of his mind. They had to have been feeling confident. Like, generally, if it's a map, especially with map pools when there's so, there's so few maps for teams to worry about, the only reason you're going to go to these maps is because it's like something they did in scrims they felt confident in, you know? Yeah. Like it has to be like they felt, because legitimately versus probably another team other than how G2 were playing, like especially their icebox, they probably would have won, yeah. you know? Like Paro was playing really well. Like they actually were, they were doing a really good job. Like I kind of think that like, this was like they were doing well in scrims with these compositions, especially for icebox. And they felt confident taking him to the map. So, like, that's the only explanation that ever makes sense, right? It's like they, they had success in scrims and they feel like they can win it now.
Sure. Yeah, I think, though, that this, this match was extremely exciting. I mean, you've got all of the, the narratives of Heretics being the ones that upset G2 in first strike and began this downward spiral for G2 as they, as they just pivoted into a team that wasn't really able to make it deep. They weren't at the top of Europe anymore. And now, now that they've changed their roles around and changed their style too, because they were playing with the confidence in this match to make really aggressive info plays. And that was what defined G2 when they were winning all of the Ignition Series events, was that on defense, they would just solo push or double push re-clearing areas. Like if you, if you use a bunch of utility to take B main on split, for example, G2, if they don't hear anything for the next 20 seconds, are going to try and re-push that area, whether it's with utility or by double contact re-clearing it. And they stopped doing that because they ran into teams like FPX and Heretics who would just hold and wait for them to do that. And now it seems like they found a much better way of doing it where it's based on other hard reads that they get around the map. And that's what I noticed in this game too was that G2 were making hard fucking reads of Heretics. They were stacking four, five players on the site that Heretics were going to hit based off one read of like where an alarm bot was getting put. Like that Bro, shit that is trip. fucking mental. Did you see that trip? <laughs> uh, the, tr the trip on the tree outside the map. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty silly. It is good. Okay. Okay. I mean, this was, Pith had an insane first map as well. Playing very well. Yeah, it's cool to see uh, how YouTube lucky thing, yeah. we are to have gotten to watch this game. Sorry to interrupt you for like yeah, a no, thousand I mean... times. <laughs> like, why? No. But we are so okay. lucky. This was not going to be broadcasted. This is literally not going to be broadcasted. And we get oh, yeah. all these open qualifier broadcasts. And it's like one of the best games that we could have asked for. It's yeah. so good. I would so have lost my thank you. fucking mind if Heretics got knocked out and it wasn't broadcast. That would have just been insane, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just madness. Yeah, it's, it is great that we finally get to see these matches. But yeah, uh, props to Europe for, uh, you know, for getting rid of the BO1s and for making more games be streamed. Now, Double Limb is the only thing that's really missing to make it a great format rather than a good one. We finally got to see Liquid as well. Yeah. Finally. And Liquid were, were nice. I actually liked watching Liquid. Yeah. Not gonna lie. I actually enjoyed watching Liquid. Yampy was trolling. He was, was actually funny. trolling though. And he was, was literally trolling. I was kind of molding because the man was smeaging. And it wasn't like a good kind of smeag. It was all it was all fucking over the place. We wanna... But he still owned. He still owned. His stats versus NIP were crazy. Like he still fucking owned, even while trolling. Yeah. I mean, let's go through some of the games yeah, that we saw in Challengers 2 then as well, because the, the big teams to take a look at in Challengers 2, I mean, not only do you have, like, the, the big shooters... The, so the only two teams that qualified, remember, from Challengers 1 were FPX and Guild, because they made the finals. All of the other teams, we're talking Ascend, we're talking Opportunist, NIP, Fnatic, Liquid, G2. These teams are all trying to get those last two spots in Europe. It's fucking barbaric out there. It's crazy. And this bracket looks stacked. Like, outrageously stacked. Who do you guys want to talk about first? Before I mean, we start talking about teams, the crazy part about the, the, the whole thing about two teams making it through is none of these guys, if they don't make it, get any challengers points. Yeah. None. Zero. You have to make challengers final to get any points at all towards champions yeah, yeah. at the end. So that is crazy crazy i know it's I'll, wild i'll pose a first question okay what is our level of confidence for ascend to be able to make it 
Okay, I think they I think they beat Vitality. I think that yeah. they, they are should, able to they get through that game. Ascend though have not been performing that. There's, Ascend have not been performing to the same level as they did in Masters One, and that has been pretty evident in all of the matches that they've played recently. But I think we all kind of knew that that would be the case after their Masters One run. It's the reason that we didn't rate them as like the number one team in the world or whatever. They they popped the fuck off. And yep. the question to me becomes, is that something they can bring back to every big game? Are they big game players? Or was this a bit of a flash in the pan? <laughs> or did the rule changes hurt them slightly? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that they can definitely make it to the semis. And then you've got a banger of a match. I'm assuming it's going to be them against G2, but Fnatic could make it, to be honest. And... And I think it's anybody's game at that point. I feel like this is one of those situations where the story is just going to dictate who wins, and G2 are just destined to make it through and make Iceland <laughs> against all odds. Yeah. That's, that, is, that, is my, that is my feeling. That is not based on anything but the narrative, though. The narrative <laughs> would be too powerful. So um, you're saying if TSM do it as well, that all of a sudden... Imagine if all the OG they resurge tsm <laughs> t1 g2 they're t1. back everyone the average age of the server is 40 years old we're winning <laughs> don't worry but i mean it's kind of hard not to predict g2 based off their look though over ascend yeah. like legitimately like i would think ascend would be vitality i would think g2 would beat fanatic but you know who knows it's europe because all the teams are really good yeah, we uh, just you know, Fnatic knows? is also making a resurgence too with their two new players. Like I'd yeah. almost rate the honeymoon type esque thing that they like went through this open bracket with two new players and made it here pretty yeah. highly. Like in yeah, comparison yeah, yeah. to G two, who's been kind of middling and they really haven't made too many. Like I mean, I guess Aussie could also be a similar thing. So I think it's right. Be That's a really really tough match to predict. I it, am it still is. confident for Ascend though. I don't know why. I, I well, I I do know why. I just think that they're a good team and all those players are really really good. Um, and they're consistently going to give teams trouble. They've already beaten Vitality, so I don't see them struggling there. And then, to me, G2 and, G2 and Fnatic, while, yes, they're all of a sudden having a resurgence, that's, that is going to be their first test against, against right. Ascent. Well, let's, let's talk about this first as well, because I'm not even sure that G2 are going to make it through the quarterfinals, if I'm honest. Like, yeah, I think I would predict G2 to make it, but I'm not, I don't think this is a slam-dunk case that they're going to definitely make it through. When I watched G2 play against Heretics, it just felt like they had a phenomenal read on how heretics wanted to play and even that they like squeaked the two maps out ahead of them <laughs> it could it was still a close series that they managed to win with their players being on fire fanatic have looked really interesting with their two new additions of durka and magnum um i don't know whether you guys have got to see them but durka is putting up really good stats and he's still you can still tell he's got room to grow he's a he's still like a rough player he's they they haven't thoroughly integrated him into the team but he has a large amount of fragging power and he's taken over that entry role from doma which means that now you have a, an entry duo of durka and doma which is really strong firepower wise if you're going to put doma into the secondary position you better fucking be good and durka's good once they actually refine him a bit more and get him fully integrated and get him making all the micro plays that they want and his team works great i, I think this guy's got huge amounts of potential I haven't seen a lot of Fnatic, honestly, the new Fnatic, so I don't have, like, a ton of input yet for new Fnatic. So I'm going to take your word on it. 
I can tell you, I can tell you that they don't insta ban ascent anymore, so that's positive for their map pool. That's good. Yeah, they've nice. been they've been banning split instead actually, and they've been running Durka on. Um, he, he plays the the jet for them when they play ascent, but Durka also plays the Sova for them when they play bind because they've still been playing their old bind comp, which means that Durka needs to learn Sova for mm. for bind, and also Magnum. He plays Cypher on most maps, but he's now having to learn Sky for bind. So it's like the Fnatic on most of the maps where they're not amazing have said, we're going to work around our new additions. And on Bind, where they were amazing, they're like, no, fuck you. We know how to play Bind. You, you, play, you play like us, which I think is a good way of going around it. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, um, if you have the perfect recipe, you're not going to change it suddenly. You know, like when you already have it, you, when you have the, yeah. the secret formula, the Krabby Patty formula ready for Bind, there's no way that you change it since with two to new be players, fair, their bind was why they ended up. They did lose their bind when yeah. they lost their first uh, two times, or what is it, three times in the last couple challengers. So. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been indestructible like it has been in the past. Also, Magnum is the most TikTok cipher you've ever seen. He's just wild. Well, he does dances or what? I'm confused He's here. Like crazy one ways, buying the Odin every round if he can for wall bangs. He's trying to like get tags and wall wall bang people through ascent walls. He's got like crazy setups for these one way cages on retakes and shit. Like the the dude is playing a very different style to the best ciphers at the moment. But it's more like um it's more like how Taimu or Steel try and play the agent a bit. Where it's mm. based on getting big value out of weird traps and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's cool. It's fun to watch. Looking at the the lower bracket as well, I guess how do we? How are you feeling about Liquid's chances? And then also, it seems that the opportunist NIP match might be happening a little bit too early in this Definitely. bracket to be a quarterfinal uh, uh, game. But I, I suppose... I'm actually feeling not bad about Liquid's chances. Yeah. After seeing their last match, I legitimately. Like when I saw their NIP match, they looked good. They looked really good. And Cryptics was having a banger too during that match as well. So like they look to be firing and Yampy, like I know obviously I feel like I haven't seen Yampy do like the 100% power yet even. Like Yampy legitimately was trolling at points in that match. Like it was like legit, he was going for knives. It happened in the match. Like, <laughs> and so maybe he's, he saved up to like the the final forgive me master, but just this once, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go all out type of situation. Yeah, but I actually feel good about Liquid. I really do. I, I like. Do I think they're necessarily gonna beat? Because I think it's you know more than likely they'll end up playing you know whoever wins opportunities in NIP, and then both of those teams will have a pretty good read on them because they've seen footage of them by now. Um, yeah, and. That's a tough matchup, but like I, I, I actually feel this is probably the most confident I felt about Liquid in a long, long time. I mean, they though, for sure they have the easiest bracket, right? Yeah. Like it, of any of the teams here, the only one I would confidently put money on that they're going to the semis is Liquid, and that's not because Liquid are the best team here. Oh, I, I mean, maybe I would say Ascend too, but Vitality is no pushover. Whereas I, I really just don't know anything about CE calling. I don't know anything about them. They're just a, they're, yeah. they're a German team that's been doing pretty well in this qualifier, but I haven't seen them before. I don't think they're really on the radar as being a top EU team. Who knows? Maybe they could be yet another team EU team that emerges as like some so, amazing team. You know, they did beat G two in the previous challengers. 
like the one just last week or whatever it was. So they beat him 2-0. So that's just like some information that might help you a little bit form sure. some sort of opinion. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I'll give Liquid, I'll give Liquid over CE, but I don't see them beating opportunists. And I think that's the matchup that they're going to get. Um, if they do get an IP, I feel like they can they can go toe to toe against that, but it's gonna be a hard match. Opportunists, though, no. NIP's been looking a lot weaker than I than I had them at Masters after Masters even, even though they had a disappointing showing there. They just they had one game in Challenges one that I was like, damn, this is like some good stuff. But then all of a sudden they just like flopped again. Yeah, I think they've still got a lot of holes in how they how they play. Like their attacking side seem extremely readable as well. The way that mm -hmm. the Kukos plays is still right up at the front like trying to trying to i don't know play like a duelist <laughs> he's yeah. he's very he's very odd in the terms of how he plays and then victor's yeah it feels like he's he's like legit micro uh controlling everything and that's one of the reasons why he's yeah. always making these plays yeah, yeah. And, and that's always going to be more unreliable because one guy's brain cannot power an entire team <laughs> that's not a feasible <laughs> work it's not a feasible solution because also then the entire team is only playing as fast as you can come like, you have to talk everything and like guide everybody through what they're supposed to do that's that's not going to be a feasible way of playing i was really interested though to see what liquid were up to because word on the ground from uh, fpx's coach not from scrims just from what they've been seeing from watching them he was predicting that liquid and g2 are going to be the two teams to win this entire or make it through this bracket and Part of the reason for Liquid was that they had the easier bracket, but also because Scream is playing Phoenix now. They have Yampi on Jet, and that's just making a lot of space for Phoenix, for Scream on Phoenix to do his thing. Mm. And he's been turding on people. He didn't really turn up that much in the when Alliance match. That, but when has that phrase entered the vernacular, turding on people? Turning? When has turding I've on never people heard that the in my life? Just, I'm fine with that. I mean, why not? Poo, I mean, noun, <laughs> pooing, verb. It was unexpected. It was unexpected for me. Third, now, turding, verb. Very, very common. Keep the point yeah. going. I can't remember yeah, the keep point. Going. What was the point? I don't know. Dream shitting on people's chests, Doom I think, was the point. <laughs> secret info. Yeah, anyway. No, it wasn't that secret. But, but what I'm saying is that the, the feeling within the European scene, even from some of the other teams, yeah. is that Liquid have found a, found a style that works for them. And... It's, it's about empowering Scream through, uh, through like when you're on your attacking sides, having Yampi just doing dumb shit when he goes in and le making space for Scream. And so it doesn't really matter how much value Yampi generates. And then when, when Yampi's opping, that's when I most like what he's doing as we just watch him die there, <laughs> walking up walk a shot. Dude, the thing is, die. I am so unconvinced in Yampi's uh. decision-making in this game and yet they've still found a way to generate value from him because most of the time when he ops on attack, he's just holding these really passive angles, holding angles for Scream to walk up on Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And that just means that Scream has less shit to worry about because he's got an so op holding one angle for him. He doesn't have to worry about that. He just focuses full attention on one place. I click head. That's a good way of setting Scream up for success. So I didn't get to watch too much Liquid. So I want to ask, like, you're, you're describing the way that Jampy's playing. It sounds very much like a shot up or a thief or a, the NA style. Like this guy's trying to get a get get space or something like that. Is that how it is? Where dude, they it's rely fucking bonkers. Him? I mean, Kurt, if you can bring up the Liquid Alliance game because it was the one where I noticed this the most. Like uh, on Haven, Haven's a good example. That they had they had rounds where Yampy was um, pushing A. 
and he's he's playing jet right he works his way through a short he gets in he's attacking haven a he smokes his feet then dashes through his own smoke to get a kill on somebody who's playing at default with his knives and then he just dies immediately afterwards and his team isn't there with him they're not ready to capitalize on the space but it seems like he's like driving in the chaos or some kind of element like that but the way that he plays when he's opping he plays right at the back of the pack like he'll play deep on C long or he'll play deep in like mid window or, or somewhere in mid just holding a connector or holding the default box so that Scream can just walk up with his rifle and doesn't have to worry about getting swung on and there, it feels like there's a slow integration of Yampi to this team but they've actually weirdly found something that works for them it's not something that would work for most teams I don't think but they've They've got, they got something. And it's working for them because Scream is such a great player. I feel like you're, I feel like that's sort of like, don't, not that I totally disagree, but it's like slightly downplaying the impact Yampy had in some of these matches. You know, like, I feel like he was definitely doing more than just space creation bot. You know, like, there was plenty of key moments where he was hitting like really good timings and he was finding like great frags off them, you know? But obviously I do agree with the overarching sentiment. Probably, I feel like this is their move is to like have this double duel setup and have Yampy be, you know, be entropy persona and just be chaos and sewing it throughout everyone and just make and allow, and allow Scream to have a lot more presence without require, without necessarily always having to have like the breach to get what? him in. What it feels to me like is that Yampi's trying to play like CNED or Baby Bay, but hasn't quite figured it out yet. But he's like on the road. And so he's still man managing to generate value for them in terms of the chaos he creates or whatever when he has a rifle in his hands. I mean, and, and also he's, he's still getting some good moments where he pops the fuck off when he figures it out properly. But it's not, he's not got a consistent good feel for it yet. Um, which is why I was saying I prefer him when he's on the, the op because then you don't yeah. have the gamble of has he figured out the schmeek yet or has he, is he just going to feed? Um, I feel like you could play a drinking game with him about just schmeek or feed with Yampi. That, oh, was, man, a, that was an amazing good, oh play my, from Solkast oh, as well. Not, popping the, not even popping the flash because they want them to run so he gets the space. That's so yeah. mad. That's so good. I was getting so triggered at a sky throwing their flash yesterday in the scrim. He's throwing the like exactly what Soulcast did, but he was popping it. So I was turning the flash and then he popped it behind me. I was so <laughs> frustrated. So that just that just gave me PTSD, bro. I think I'm about to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this this liquid team though, they've got they got something going. They don't look like they're at the same level as opportunists or uh guild or FPX or whatever, you know. But They've got to, because you only need to win that one game once they get to the semis, they still do have a chance of making it to the finals. Yeah. Man, Europe, Europe is just... Scream type maps. So unlucky with their formats and like how tough it is to get through. There's just so many good teams. Yeah. And then I, mean, I had to sit there and watch challengers with Wyatt and Bala and Mike and see Victor run around flashing his team. <laughs> 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 One thing about that topic, by the way, like the, the seeding match, whatever, in, in EU, the one thing that's interesting too, now that we're playing out these brackets, is that these teams have, some of these guys have never played each other. Whereas NA, literally all the top yeah, teams yeah. have played each other at least once at some point, seeding match or not. The, the last grand finals, like FPX versus Guild, like some of, these, some of these matches are, they have to beat them hard to make a statement and be like, you guys need to come into this and change your idea of how to play against us or 
change your confidence or whatever. Because if if you 3-0 a team like that, if if then the next time you guys play in Challengers Finals or wherever, all of a sudden you have like the, the upper hand. The mental game is like one already before it even begins. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was also... There was all yeah, I mean, we, I think we've basically covered the bracket at this point as well. The, the European side of it's going to be extremely entertaining, I feel. There's also, mm -hmm. if anybody's interested out there, I don't think we should go through it right now, but maybe we'll go through it before Challengers Finals or something. The, the two, the two um, Turkish teams have already qualified for Challengers Finals, that being mm -hmm. Footballist and Oxygen. Um, and so they're, they're already through to Challengers Finals. There's one more Turkish team that needs to qualify and one more CIS team. So... We don't exactly know who those are going to be because it's the winner of Challengers 2 in both of those regions. But we already know in Europe that there is Guild, FPX, Footballist, and Oxygen are already through. So we're starting to build up a feel of, of, of what's going on here. And it's been a long time since the Turkish or CIS teams played in European tournaments, in like big tier one European tournaments. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty difficult to tell exactly how they're going to match up here. Um, uh, most people are just predicting the EU teams to go through, but that, you know, that, that really might not happen. Historically, what has been the result in those two one tournaments? Um, historically, the Turkish and CIS teams have sat somewhere around like top eight. They've been around like the, the best Turkish and CIS teams have been somewhere around like eighth best in Europe. But I mean, that's also, that's also assuming that you don't consider FPX a bloody CIS team. You know, there's talent in the bloody region. The players are fantastically good. It's just that the, when you limit yourself to only being in that region, you miss out on being able to add other great pieces and, and make even better teams. So they end up not being quite at the same level. But fuck, I mean, some of the best players in Europe are from CIS and Turkey. We've got CNED and then all of the rest of the CIS players. Yeah. So yeah, it should, well, it should be sick. I guess we're through our topics. And as the honorary host, for today uh that does bring us to our final topic our reoccurring topic one that we always look forward to with a big smile on our face it's wyatt's weekly award Let's that take was a look. such a good segue of asked but unfortunately we added a topic last minute which <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah you've been well, absolutely hard trolled why Honestly, you have to go though right i've asked i mean his stocks are going up for hosts next I think week I think but, though, didn't, <laughs> he's, I, he's stunned. I think Wyatt had to leave Why, a half. That was a big so. moment. I can give. Well, what's the topic? The topic's a big fucking topic. I can go. Well, Is maybe we do the award first, and then you guys can talk about the thing. I got. I got a little bit of time. What's the topic? Okay. I didn't even remember. What the fuck were we talking about? The topic was the FPL stuff that people were talking about. It was Sean and Hiko oh, oh, and Tens yeah. have been talking about whether an FPL system should be added. I, you guys can get to Valorant. <laughs> Dude, you, you sure. got anything to say on this? I gotta be honest. I'm gonna be really honest. I don't care. You don't care? No. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got this one. Wow. I mean, that's the award. It's do FPL. I already did the segue. I got trolled. It wasn't on the topic list. Didn't see it because they probably not. That. So let's let's just do the Wise Weekly Award and do FPL after. Oh wow. Let's just do it because Wise gotta go. <laughs> wow. It just this new host is so bossy. Why it's right. gotta go? Why it's gotta give go? Us another Run, nice segue. Nice segue give, intro the award again. It's why it's award. <laughs> 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 Let's look at the segment. Dude, where's my res? Oh, hey, didn't see you there. It's why it's weekly award. 
grab that. Okay, oh. Wyatt. Let's okay. got it. Let's do it. God, right. what an elite award. A good timing, actually, with the with the me playing Sage, because it's going to Ethan for playing Sage. I don't know if that was planned, but wasn't planned, <laughs> says Kurt, but it works out because it's going to Ethan for his Sage play mm. uh, over the, the course of this Challenger event. Probably, I mean, he, I think he was definitely, in my eyes, he was the MVP of the, of the tournament overall. Definitely the best Sage in NA at the moment. Definitely the, the Sage pushing the, uh, the utility usage the furthest in NA. And past just him being so excellent on Sage and being the MVP of the tournament for me, also really has not been playing the game for that long. No. Not I mean, he, is, he has been playing for, what, a, like two months on Hunter Thieves? A month and a half? Maybe less than that? I can't remember I mean, exactly it, when it, it was. There's like a tournament every week, so it's going pretty fast, but it really hasn't been that long. And to see him playing so well already, it's worthy of some recognition. Um, so this week, Ward, going to Ethan. Yeah, very well deserved, I think. His, dude, his aim is crispy. One, one other thing, too, is that he's taken the content game to, like, instantly. He's like, okay, I'm not a Cisco player anymore. I'm going to Valorant. Like, here we go. And his YouTube channel's popping. His streams are popping. Like, he is definitely doing everything right in the, in the scene right now. And well, like, honestly, paving the path a little bit with those comms videos. Yeah, Valorant's doing it right right now with their players' stuff. With Like, they're definitely highly prioritizing content and, like, trying to get some sort of content out. Oh, there it is. There's the pizza wall. From ten thousand BC, and then Mesopotamia Wall here, it's here. But yeah, it, they said uh, that um, Ethan had said that he'd been watching Grim, who apparently is a sage YouTuber who just has a bunch of fucking mm. TikTok walls. And he said that they, had, the whole team, had been watching them and kind of presumably looking at them to see whether they're viable to use in pro play. Because not every, not every fun ranked wall can be used in a serious match. Because you you need the wall for other shit, yeah. and you need the sage to be positioned in certain locations for other stuff. But you can get away with it sometimes, and I really like the stuff that he was bringing out. And they built their defensive setups around him playing certain positions, uh, which I thought was a great idea. It reminded me of BLD in Brazil as well, who's just fucking TikTok walls all over the place and trying to get yeah. pics off of it. It's really fun. A lot of his walls, too, it, it, they weren't just purely, like, gimmick for kill walls. A lot of them yeah. served both purposes, like the wall he does on lane holding a scent B. It both yes. cuts off oh, the yeah. lane, that but he also plays so on good. it for a free pick and then can drop off. Um, yep. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just playing an excellent game. Well, I'm talking about FPL. Oh, wait, Avast, you gotta... Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't know. Do you have to go now? Time is it? I'll give you like four minutes on. All right. FPL. Well, let's let's, let's on do... FPL? Okay. So I I moved the whole order for you know. I mean, he was still here, but that's cool. That's fine. I'm the host. I can make that decision. I have decision. Oh, FPL <laughs> should. Well, you know, there's been a lot of talks. People have been mauling. You know, your usual candidates, Mindo, but also some some new ones, <laughs> some new ones as well. Hiko, <laughs> Sean Garras. They've been out. You guys, what's going on with my ranked matches? I got no. I got. I have. I have. You know. I have people that can't aim. They don't know how to use a mouse. Mouseless. Mouseless Marvins over here. They don't know how to aim. They don't know how to use their keyboards. And then sometimes I get the entirety of FPX on my team four stacked. And I'm like, so like what? So then everyone's like, well, maybe we should add an FPL. Is what Tins proposed here. Should we have a Tin Man's? And uh, you know, but not from the Wizard of Oz. Tin Man's is in like ten people playing in. A what the server. heck is a Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz? 
tin man. man. Oh, a tin, tin man. man. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're an idiot. Ah, <laughs> uh, my wordplay so powerful. And so, uh, so yeah. What are our thoughts? What are our thoughts? Um, I so, I think this is always a better system than ranked. The European players were doing this kind of pro ten man system. They had a Discord or like the VPD or something. I think it was called like the Valorant Pro Discord or something, or Valorant Pro Division. I can't fucking remember what it was. But some of the players have talked about the fact that they used to have really active pugs going on in there. I don't know whether it still does. We had the same thing in NA too with Roy or Stronglegs' Discord as well. Right, right. But this feels like a, a push for something more structured. The, the thing is, it comes down to me is, does Riot want this? Because Riot need to give this off to somebody else if they want to run it. And it's going to take their pro players away from their ranked system. And while I think it is a good idea, it seems like something that Riot's never going to go for. So it makes it almost immaterial to discuss. Yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how I'm feeling about it as well. Be I, cool. I feel that way too, but, but like these guys, they constantly are asking for it. And that does tilt the needle slightly in terms of especially like public opinion. And, and it negatively impacts ranked when they keep doing this stuff. I mean, look at... I mean, did you see the riot person replying to that thread <laughs> right there? The the dripping thing. That's that's a riot employee, isn't it? Riot Evermore, <laughs> <laughs> senior competitive designer. <laughs> yeah, he's been teasing a bunch of like, well, we're gonna give you an opportunity, to, a way to play a, like as a team in I in some sort of competitive queue. Game system is the thing because riots a lot like Blizzard, where like these developers want for it to be stuck in their own systems versus outside systems they want they, yeah. they are not stuck but rather they want the systems to take place in them because it gives you them a lot more control over it and also they're it able a, to use them in a lot of different ways the natural pathway as well like the better you get the yeah. you know where to go you don't have to reach global elite in cs and think well i've achieved everything there is to achieve and if you're a casual you don't realize that fpl or esea or whatever is even a thing yeah. what i really want is not an fpl system it's the, I don't even Clash. know what it's called. The League of Legends Clash. system. What's it called? Clash. Clash. Yeah. Clash. 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 What is that? Let's go. In-game so, tournaments. Oh, yeah. So you can just sign up as a team and you play an in-game <clears> tournament <throat> system. And by all accounts, everybody that I've heard of that's participated in it, I don't play League, so I don't know, loves it mm -hmm. and says that the system works incredibly well. I'm, I'm imagining, though, that that is a shit ton of man hours to implement something like that within a game, right? And, the and, and devs... just maintaining it too. Didn't like, they do sure. that with like Fortnite as well for some of the big events? Didn't Fortnite have like? Oh yes, yeah. Like, I, but <laughs> that's definitely the system I've always wanted for developer back games. Is like versus making an external third party system, it's always better to just integrate it into your game and mm -hmm. just add but, rising and add a way where it's like a clear path, and then you can like sort of set that I, launch board. I, I do think that that's kind of what they're asking for. It's like a dev, dev integrated FPL, oh, right? Sure. We're not necessarily they're asking for a clash system. And this is kind of, uh, this might be an un unpopular opinion, but I hate pugging in these games. Pugging is the death of organized play and, and getting casuals involved in these sports and figure, and actually getting them to figure out what the game is because ranked is not ever, ever, ever going to be what you guys are, what, what organized play will look like. Even at a low level, it is just not. These games are meant to be played 5v5 with teammates who are calming. If you're not doing that, even in League of Legends, if you're not doing that, you're playing an inferior, frustrating, and 
like really get hard game to to get into and to play so a clash system infinitely better but at the same time like fpl and and pugs and esc in general have caused this and this na scene to be so bad in my opinion it is the reason why na is so trash in every aspect of their csgo history and really? yes Wait, bro why? it's why, why, why? toxic it, it it gets you to play in ways that are just not conducive to real teams. Like you learn so many bad habits. You don't learn how to calm. You don't learn how to even play together as a teammate. Like people expect you to be able to just be like, whoa, you should have flashed for me because they're so into playing pugs and just randomly like getting a good teammate or all of a sudden, right? There's no working at it. There's nothing like that. It's just grind as a solo, which is already provably not going to get you to be good at the actual 5v5 game. So, yeah, that's where I take issue with this entire FPL system. I just think that that pugs in general and that being the way to be the road to, to pro and stuff is just not, not good. Wow, that's an impassioned speech. Bro, I wasn't <laughs> yeah, expecting yeah. that one. It's kind of... <laughs> I was... That, yeah. Yeah, I'm it on board. To, it seems to depend very heavily on what game you're playing as well, though, because I know that for League of Legends, you can solo queue your way up to such a high level that you can mm -hmm. just slot straight into a game, into a team, it feels like. Mm -hmm. But I don't understand really what the difference is. It feels like it feels like in a game like CS, you can get by just based on your mechanics more than your teamwork element. But in a in a MOBA kind of setting, the mechanics the mechanical aspect is so intertwined with the decision-making that you have to make and mm -hmm. how you play as a team that I, by virtue of getting to the top, you must have learned that stuff. Whereas you can get to the top of a ranked ladder or an FPL system in a game like CS so, by learning bad habits, I feel. Like maybe I that's think that the it comes down to difference. behavior and like culture in NA and, and just CS and TAC FPS in general like culturally it's been a system that we just don't trust right pugging in general we're like we just i i'm gonna get this guy on my team and he's gonna rage and and just in general like that whereas in league of legends especially in korea and and even in na for example they've well not so much in na i think the culture is still there in league of legends where you reach the top and it doesn't matter and it's not good practice and it's a waste of time Whereas, like, in Korean League of Legends, the top of the top of that ladder is, like, really, like, people pay attention to that. Same thing in, like, StarCraft 2, which is completely different, but they are grinding that ladder, and it's real practice that's meaningful for their real games. And they've made it so that League of Legends, even though it's not organized 5v5, they're still solo queuing into it. They've made it so that that is good enough. FPL would be that, by the way. It would be replicating scrim experience. It would be all of that, uh, but it's just so forced and so gated and so kept to just a few with, dude, it, it just gate kept the entire scene almost and made it so that all the leagues, all the organized play just did not matter whatsoever. How do you change that culture, though? I feel like that's the most difficult thing I'll that you can possibly do. Bye-bye, Wyatt. Bye-bye, Mr. Wyatt. Bye, Wyatt. I feel like changing a culture over. like that is almost impossible. We have the same thing in Overwatch, though, right? Where... The, mm -hmm. the difference between, even in North America, between West Coast when all of the OWL players were there and East Coast was dramatically different. And then if you go mm -hmm. to Korea when the players are in the off-season and, and that's where all of the best players tend to be in the off-season, the, the difference between Korea and NA is massive. But it does seem to be like a, 
a difference in um, their attitude overall. It, and it doesn't seem like you can add enough incentives. Like the FPL, the idea is that there is a prize for winning. Therefore, you are incentivized to win. And by being incentivized to win, you are supposed to try and act like it's a team environment. But that, that pathway doesn't seem to work, actually. But it's all about exposing the max amount of players. I think for me, the, my, the solution for in-game for every team thing and ever since i saw fortnite doing it now you know clash for league which i didn't know as much about was that at least for esports culture and like competition is so much more heavily embedded in korea that like you don't necessarily like you never really needed an fpl right yeah. like you didn't really need it and in a the idea was well we're gonna have an fpl and we'll bring more people on They'll, those guys will be really incentivized right but also because overall esports and competitive gaming are such a smaller segment of the population and general interest fpl then also locked further of the potential people you could create out of those areas right because it's not easily accessible it's it's away from the mainstream so even if you're like currently a casual player but you might be current later interested in it in north america you never found access to it because of fpl right and so it got locked into a smaller group because there's overall less esports culture and then you further segmented it with fpl right even mm -hmm. though technically it's incentivizing it's less accessible so personally, I do think that in-game tournaments and, and things like that for North America in particular, and just in general, but particularly North America, are the way to go. Because I think there is, there's a huge population here. And even if there's less total interest in playing competitively, there are so many more people that if we just give them access to the tools to play it, they will yep. be, they will, then we could start building the culture, right? Because the first part is introducing it. You don't just suddenly say like, you know, that's some real like, you don't you don't really you don't just suddenly say like hey esports it's time now everyone play right and because all the casuals are gonna be like but what about my viper fan art you know like what's happening there but the point <laughs> is you give them access to it to where they could it's seamless as part of the game right and then over time you know a hundred years from now when we're on in our jet packs and our in our nuclear powered uranium helis going down the street uh there's gonna be people that have had multiple years to access like in-game esports culture and then it just bleeds into the rest of it as it goes on right like you would say currently north america 20 years like 20 years ago esports was extremely niche like no one knew like there's a bunch of guys and playing on crts and they were you know there's that old cs picture of the guy that's like taped to the fucking duct, the <laughs> duct work you know playing on his keyboard you know that was the group and now we're like oh we have like gaming cafes now even in the u.s you know esports is a lot more there's a lot more but if we give in-game resources to for people to play I think that's how you start changing the culture because you can't just say like the culture needs to change and here's how we'll do it. You need to make it wildly accessible to a huge mm -hmm. amount of people because it hasn't normally been part of the culture to do so. I, that's my opinion at least. I think in-game is the best way to do it. I, I do think that there is a wild uh, demand, I guess is the right, the right way to say it. There's a demand for ways to play the game as a solo person, like somebody who doesn't have friends or doesn't have a team. And that is probably the majority of people playing Valorant. That's why I'm I'm not opposed to like a solo queue and stuff like that because because it makes the game fair for fair for them as fair as it can be, right? It's still just RNG based on your teammates. But like, there's so many people who won't want to play as a solo, and that's why even in like in in Fortnite, for example, where they really have catapulted this in-game tournament thing to to unbelievable le levels the solo mode while it's not even the most fulfilling is the most popular right so i get the need for a path 
for a solo for somebody who doesn't have a team who can't find a team who doesn't have the the tools for it to i i we need a path for those types of people for like a poise story for example right and right now the rank system is not going to do that anymore i feel like maybe maybe a few few people will get picked up from ranked but i i think that's more of a failure of the social system though well like the yeah. friends mm -hmm. system and that kind of stuff is the area that I'd like to see them shift the focus to. Because if you put a system like Clash in Valorant and people are like, well, how am I supposed to play? I don't have a team. Yes. You need to build out the, the relationship building aspect so that when you play yes. ranked, you add a friend. I don't know whether you guys started playing video games on Steam, but I did. And I was I just did, running yeah. around two fort servers in TF2, making friends with people who dunked on me on Sniper. And then we'd mm -hmm. go and play together another day and we'd chat to people over voice chat. And, you know, you build those relationships. It's supposed to be a social experience uh, playing video games as well. And that's so something we didn't even talk about this topic, actually. The whole point of this was like bringing up so of like the FPL was like solo and group queue. We never really actually talk about that aspect. I didn't bring that up as like, so like, should we have solo queue? Should we have a group queue at all? Like ignoring FPL style and clash style stuff, like are solo and group queues necessary in this game? And also I've already seen arguments from people saying like the player base isn't high enough for like these things. I'm like, then when is the player base ever high enough? If Valorant currently does not have a high enough player base to implement solo queue, not, now I'm not arguing for them currently, right? I'm just saying like, that seems like a weird argument to me because the game's a year old. It's massively popular with casual and competitive audiences currently. What 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 do we fucking well, so, need? Do we just need second Fortnite to ever have a solo queue? Like I don't know. So five v five queues have historically failed because of player base issues yeah. in, in in League of Legends, and League of Legends has a massive player base, right? Yeah. So I think there's data there that's like, okay, yeah, there nobody wants nobody plays it because everybody for some reason ranks the solo queue player more like the solo queue rank more and it just makes it fail but i think that if it's like a scheduled type of thing where there's a tournament on like at starting at 6 p.m eastern i think you'll all of a sudden get a bunch of people interested in, yeah. in playing those just like just like in fortnite and just like in clash um so yeah i i, I do i do think solo queues are, are necessary in a game like this yeah just for the demand alone yeah well yeah, i agree with that I think at the end of the day, though, it's early to be having these conversations. And I think, especially with this developer, I can see people, I can see it being a necessity to push the developer in a certain direction if it wasn't Riot. But, it, but Riot have already built this system in League. And I imagine that they are likely to build this system in Valorant somewhere down the road as well. So, I don't think you're addressing new ideas to the developer here. Yeah, and they've already said that they're working on, not not necessarily saying oh we're working on Clash, but they've they've said like we're working on a five like some place where yeah. you can play five v five. The 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 one thing though is that that the Clash system doesn't really work for tens, doesn't really work for Hiko, it doesn't work for these guys because they're playing scrims already, they're playing matches already, right? So they don't really give a crap to to go win. Like it's good content for sure, and and Fortnite has proved that right where stomping on random teams is good content but it's not for them and i don't think that right. they'll they'll a clash system is put in the game and they'll be like oh ranked is saved all of a sudden no I, of course. I yeah but i mean that's, that's just the problem we have with pro players in any game right but is they're that, the like, one percent in a solo queue is bad yeah yeah but but, but also all that 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 mentality does ruin ranked even more it adds the, the the culture that we're talking about and it and it makes it 
and it perpetuates. It's a forever circle because the pro players are like, well, ranked isn't good for, for me. And then all the plat kids and all the, and, and sure, there are problems with ranked, granted, for sure. Like that is probably not even like debatable. But the, the, the stuff that Hiko's dealing with men is not relevant to like half the plat players that are going to start complaining. And, and yeah. if you go into ranked with an idea that ranked is shit, you're going to have a bad time no matter what. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, other games have other games with much better ranked cultures still have the same structural yeah. issues with rank. There is no perfect matchmaking system. Is what I at this point have learned is like there are systems that work and there are systems that are good, like solo queue. Solo queue, good system. That's something that's proven that it's a good implement to, to implement to any game. It's worth being there because people don't want to have to, you don't want to have to be playing against some five stack group that's all in discord and they have like the they have the maps pulled up and they have the epic pin and they're drawn they're mapping out the lines and where they're going to smoke and then you have your guys that are like chewing on their cables and stuff and like there's just <laughs> no way like there's just like that's not fun like solo queue is 100 a good system in-game tournaments to increase wider appeal for people that's a good system for the long term in particular sure it's not going to fix for your hikos and your and, you know, your Sean Garris is and all the people in the Immortal Radiant range that are pros or ex-pros that are really wanting to get high-level things. But, I mean, the reality is, you know, FPL wasn't a great system either for be as it's been proven already. It's been shown that FPL wasn't a great system. It's always better to have it integrated into the game. And you're never going to get, like, a perfect matchmaking system. And that's just how it's going to be, you know, in my opinion. I think, I think that's it. I think the real conversation is just, can we get more into the in-game client, like solo queue and in-game tournaments? Because that's really... And also improving socials, like you said, Josh, because that's like that's the huge. peak of what you can do with like in-game matchmaking. Stuff. I don't think yeah. anybody's done a good job with socials in a long time. So yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the okay. end of our topic list. Then there, there we go. Uh, Avast, you want to close us out? Tell tell the people yeah. what they need to post a comment off. Uh, you know, post a comment below if you find you know. First of all, let's from all the people that do play ranked a lot. Do you think an FPL system is a good idea? Do you feel like you'd much rather have more in-game integration? Do you think, you know, is a solo queue necessary at all? Like, what are your thoughts on ranked? You know, what do you, what do you want to slam your face on the keyboard? And what, what do you want to put out there in the YouTube comment you, section? You've broadened that every time you said a new did sentence. I, did I broaden that? Okay, well, we'll narrow it down. Any, does, any does any, we're narrowing down. Is an FPL ESDA system necessary or can we do it all through in-game? There we go. Mm. And and also second part to the question: Do we need a solo queue? There we go. Okay. Excellent. No, no, solo queue is part of the solo queue is part of it. Solo queue is part of this conversation. That's it. Okay. That's it. No more. Solo well queue. done. So solo queue Excellent hosting it. job of us. There One more go. reminder as well: We have another back chat episode coming at you on next Monday, and I believe uh, that it's going to be with the esteemed Nookie of Team Heretics as well, Ooh. who just got. Uh, an annihilated and well not annihilated sorry eliminated <laughs> wrong word eliminated from uh, Masters 2 contention so that should be an extremely good episode we're looking forward to that and you can catch us then that's the next time we'll be available we'll see ya